It's time for Windows Weekly. Paul Therott's here. Richard Campbell's here. We'll have their reaction to Google's AI announcements. We'll also talk about Patch Tuesday. Windows 11 gets a feature Microsoft was awfully quiet about, says Paul Therott. And the EU, it looks like they're going to approve the Activision Blizzard acquisition. Can the uh, Brits be far behind? All of that coming up and a lot more next with Windows Weekly. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is Windows Weekly with Paul Therott and Richard Campbell. Episode 828, recorded Wednesday, May 10th, 2023, by Menon. Windows Weekly is brought to you by Lenovo, orchestrated by the experts at CDW to help transform your organization with Lenovo ThinkPads, equipped with the Intel Evo platform for effortless connectivity and collaboration from anywhere. Learn more at cdw.com slash Lenovo client. And by Collide. Collide is a device trust solution that ensures that if a device isn't secure, it can't access your apps. It's zero trust for Okta. Visit collide.com slash WW and book a demo today. And by AWS Insiders Podcast. Search for AWS Insiders in your podcast player or visit cloudfix.oria.com slash podcast. We'll also include a link in the show notes. And thanks to AWS Insiders for their support. It's time for Windows Weekly, the show where we cover the latest news from Microsoft. Yeah, we're starting a little late because there was a lot of non-news from Google, but we're here now. Paul Therott, therott.com. He's rested, tan, relaxed, ready to run. Uh, therott.com is his website, leanpub.com for the books. Richard Campbell's in the Netherlands. He's yes. a, he's joining us from Lakmahaka, some planet in the, the Tatooine galaxy. There you go. What is it, Alkmar? Alkmar, yes. Uh, and you're you're there for a conference? What are you What are you doing? I'm visiting friends next week. I'll be in Antwerp for the conference. Oh, nice! Pick up some jewels yeah. for me, will you? I'll do what we can do. Yeah, a little train ride. Yeah, yeah. Actually, this looks just like your house. They have cute blue and yellow trains you can take. Yeah, It'd be nice. Yeah, it'd be great. Be, it'd be great. Uh, we are going to talk about. Uh, let's start off with Windows 11, kids. Uh, although before we go, I I, I kind of I know you must have taken a nap during that Google I/O keynote, Paul, because usually I expect snarky tweets. Yeah, and I, I saw nothing. Um, yeah. So uh, just give me a little I, snark, well, yeah, just a a palate I, honest, I, No, actually, I have to say, honestly, compared to their previous AI nonsense, I thought this one came off pretty well. They were clearly, um, I, I mean, a lot of the keynote to me was their response to Microsoft on AI and yeah. their response to yeah. Apple on Android. And yeah. uh, I, I guess the position I expect, kind of expect them to take, which is Microsoft's mm-hmm. moving way too fast. We're going to be the responsible AI. Company. There's a lot of sentences that could have been ended, unlike Microsoft. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, uh, that's true. Um you know, I, these events, I, I, I go back and rewatch and rewatch these. I This is common for me. I did watch the whole thing. Um, I did almost fall asleep in the AI part of it. 
that's because I was laying on a bed. That was maybe a stupid decision on my part, but um, <laughs> it went on longer than I thought it was going to. It was very long, uh, longer than anybody thought. And that's why we're starting yeah. an hour and a half late on the show. And I apologize. Yeah. When they finally got to devices at like 25 of three or whatever, I was like, you know, this is, this is not going well. They did 80 but, minutes announcing at least yeah. seven new names for the same product, the same AI I don't, yeah, that's product. True. Yep. So, and by, I will, I'll say this, I, I was, uh, I got, I was briefed on a bunch of the developer announcements that are going to occur later in this hour and, and later in this day. Yeah. And uh, there's, there's a lot more going on than just the AI stuff. Good. So there's some interesting stuff. But um, uh, flutter news, everyone like, yep, yep, that yep. Kind of thing. flutter, uh, jetpack, compose, uh, wear OS, um, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, but yeah, I I look forward to this kind of thing. I really like the developer shows. Um, I think Google I/O and Microsoft Build kind of track each other pretty well. Uh, they're both my favorite shows, uh, events that these guys do. You know. Build's coming um, up uh, in a month, right? Build Just is coming a few up weeks, uh, two weeks. in a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of weeks. Should we do, uh, unfortunately, it's Tuesday at 11, which is normally when we do Mac Break Weekly, but should we right, right. Should reorganize a schedule and cover that keynote? Let you me, think it'll be worth it? Let me talk to you offline about that. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk in we'll private. No. I will get a briefing from yeah. a source. We'll, a reliable yeah, source with knowledge of <laughs> of the situation. Yeah, yes. let's see. Let's see how. Let's see what happens. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't. I, I don't. You know, there's some bills. I would. I wish we'd done it and didn't. And then some bills we did it. And I wish we hadn't. Yeah. Uh, so um, I don't know which I, one it's going to be. I'll just on say that scale. a build is uh, is possible. I can't say. I don't know. We'll see. Say nothing. We'll talk in private. All right, enough of that. Enough fumfering mm-hmm. around. Let's talk about Windows. It's uh, There was a Patch Tuesday. Yeah, so we just said nothing about Google. Let's say nothing about Patch Tuesday. Um, <laughs> is, is there nothing no, to say? No, there is something to say. So uh, we've been talking about this notion of uh, preview updates coming two weeks before the Patch Tuesday, right? So two weeks ago, yesterday, we got the preview version of that update that you installed on the show, where it installs a little toggle button in Windows Update. That says something to the tune of, hey, click this if you want to get updates as quickly as possible. And at the time of that preview update, they they kind of documented it. They have a there's a page up in Microsoft Knowledge Base or uh, Microsoft Support now. Uh they kind of explained what it was. And they're like, okay, you know, like whatever. Like, you know, I want to make sure I get updates as quick as possible. There's nothing wrong with that. But then what you find out is that it's actually part of this thing called controlled feature rollout CFR, which is that I believe we talked about last week. And this is Microsoft's program to push non-tested feature updates to mainstream users in Windows 11 stable, as I call it. Um, They're bypassing the Windows Insider program. And and this opens up a whole kind of can of worms uh, in in a debate. And the big example we have of a a CFR is that search pill that we always talk about. And um, the search pill, I I can't say that it introduced any reliability issues into Windows, but it was uh, unexpected. It was unannounced. They never even said they were doing it. It just appeared one day on some computers, but not others. And we didn't know why. I remember it was kind of mysterious. Um, it did introduce a functional regression, which, you know, I uh, think is a problem, frankly. Sorry, and this is the, all of Windows 11. What's that? Wasn't that all of Windows 11? <laughs> yes. Well, it was very much in keeping with was, the, uh, yeah. The, now, you said before the, the show, Windows Richard, 11. you had four blue screens in a row. Was that yeah. the regression? 
No, that no, was no, no, another. No, that was a third-party piece of software oh, that okay. broke stuff. No, this is this was a small thing. So I guess uh, you know, for right now, uh, all we can do is kind of wonder what form future CFRs will take, right? And I can't. I, I also actually don't believe if the search pill was the original experiment. Yeah, that they're now going to follow more policy around this. Like they, yep. it, it seemed like they were winging that one, and I, I hopefully I t- that. Will- it totally makes sense. Uh, winging it. So Microsoft uh, describes this in a more formal fashion than winging it. But I think the <laughs> the the net result is the same. I think what you've just said is completely accurate, right? It's like winging it. Um, you know, when when a new feature update comes out every year, capital F, capital U, which is beautiful, uh, you know, Microsoft does a, a, a controlled rollout of that thing, right? They they have known good configurations that should have good results. They roll it yep. out to those PCs first, right? And then they yeah. expand the pool over time. And I don't know the exact timing, but let's say sometime around March-ish this year, uh, which is about five months after Windows 11 22H2 came out, they announced this thing is now broadly available. In other words, there are no blockers left to prevent anyone with a compatible PC from getting this. And that's about how long that takes. But a feature update, a big feature update, an actual annual update has all kinds of things going on. It's not a little feature in the taskbar or wherever else yeah. in the system. It's a, it's a big thing. So the notion that these little features will be rolled out using similar methodology is sort of fanciful, right? Because there's nothing about a particular person's configuration that will make this feature work or not work better than someone else's computer, right? It's just a little feature of the OS. It's a small thing. So but you're also getting the truth here, is, which is that the update mechanism is being used for a lot of stuff. Yes, like yes. We, yep. we do need security patches early right. and off. Yeah. It's hard I, to get I, only those and not search pill. It's impossible is what it is, right? That's the, that's the problem. In fact, Microsoft's language on this is kind of interesting because when they, when they announced the new schedule for preview update, that's two weeks between one patch Tuesday and the next, they referred to those patch Tuesday, these week B updates as mandatory, right? right? There is no way to avoid it. This is a, it's a non-security update, but it is mandatory, right? Yeah. You can't consumers, avoid of it. Of course, right? Like uh, exactly. over in IT land, we have the new auto patch, which you can actually right. sort right. of set automation levels on whether yep. or not these patches should be included automatically. Those ones shouldn't you yeah. just hope that they actually label everything correctly. <laughs> I, I wouldn't hope for that, but yeah, okay. <laughs> but yeah, okay. Um, I, I I guess the debate here is over whether there will ever be consumer harm from this or what is the harm, you know? And I think the greatest harm you can do as a platform maker is to release unannounced and unwanted and unbidden and without any way to prevent it, changes to a system on normal people, you know, or non-technical people. I, right. I um, these are individuals like my wife or my mother or my brother or, you know, friends I have who are not technical, who are out in the world and they're not actively involved in technology, don't care about it. They're not actively updating their computer, but they walk in one day and their computer has rebooted because that's what mandatory means. It's going to happen. Right. And, and when they get fired up, their cheese is moved. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Now. And in technical circles, uh, we have this debate over whether, you know, is there any harm? And it's like, well, you know, maybe not for us, right? We know how to work around problems. We know how to fix things. Sure. Um, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not complaining for me. I'm, I'm concerned for, you know, the, the, the other 99%, right? It's not the, your machine. It's all the phone calls you're about to get. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, you know, I, I do have that one example where in this case, I was writing a book about Windows 11 and I'm like, this is really strange. This thing no one has ever announced or tested has started p- appearing on some of my computers, but not others, well, you know? Yeah. So there's that, that's the, uh, the willy nilly aspect of this. Anyway, this is now official. So um, a couple of months, uh, they've been well, applied willy nilly is what you're saying. Yeah. They, <laughs> you, you kind of referenced the notion that um, the search bill was maybe the first implementation of the CFR thing. And I think right. you're right. Um, but I, there's clearly after the first year of windows 11, I, 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 it's clear to me now that Microsoft internally has said, you know, we're not updating this thing fast enough. Um, there were a bunch of things we needed to do to fix Windows 11, and a year went by, and we did a few things. We need to have a better yeah. system. And I think they looked at different ways of doing that. And what they've arrived at is this preview update system combined with CFR, because it's tied to CFR. And then they're going to do these smaller things. So there's like, you know, we have feature updates, capital F, capital V. We have moments, which are a collection of features. But I think we're going to have individual features just popping in every month. I think that's going to be the way it is, you know. So it's okay. I mean, yeah. I'm not, I don't mean to suggest it's, uh, well, I, actually, maybe I do. I, we, I, I guess we don't know. So we'll see. So two maybe weeks we, from now, we'll, we'll see, see how they abuse it. Yeah, right? I mean, it's always the question: Is some PM taking yeah. advantage of the mechanism to get their feature out outside of normal channels? The other thing is, we'll see how they like how they do it. So so far, um, the CFR usage we've seen, uh, so to speak, has been stuff they've never really tested, right? So it's just appeared out of you know out of thin air. It seems right. Mm-hmm. There is this formal process with the uh, Windows Insider program. We have a a long list of essentially uninteresting updates that have appeared across all of the channels of the windows insider program over the past week. Um, it's possible that one or two or some number of those features may appear uh, next month, the month after that as a CFR, like they, maybe, maybe they will pluck individual features and uh, they will change the way they do things. But so far it's been untested features and the famous one, the the search bill, of course, like I said, come, came with that functional regression. And this is, the type of thing that happens when you don't test something, you know, like mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, and by the way, it's not like they fixed it a month later. Um, the search pill wasn't fixed until March, right? When they released yeah. the new version of the wild search bar. Yeah. Yep. So uh, again, uh, no one, I guess no one had lost any data or whatever. So it wasn't unreliable to that degree, but uh, it is a concern. So anyway, everyone suck it up, uh, install the update and um, <laughs> we'll all, Ride on this roller coaster ride to who knows where together, I guess. That's what we're doing. All right. Yep. So now, it says one new yeah. feature that Microsoft was quiet about. Did I did I miss? No, this is the um uh the thing the uh the toggle that you installed last week. Oh that, I already I already got that one. So everybody else yeah, got it. Well, now. Yeah, so that was when you installed it. It was a preview version. You actually, interestingly, you still have to install the the stable version of oh, it. Oh, how funny! Um, Did everybody yeah. get the preview version though? No previews. Thank God are optional and you ha- and manual. So you have. Oh, that's to, what. That's right. I said, yeah, I'll take it. You, yeah, you have yeah, to yeah. take it. You, you but now everybody to, uh, has to have it. Like it. That's yeah. right. Now okay. it's mandatory. I get it. Yeah. All right. Sorry, I'm so. No, no, it's okay. I'm still <laughs> thinking about Google AI. Yeah. Literally, as this uh, segment started, I thought to myself, how am I going to wrap myself around Microsoft again after two hours of Google? (laughs) No, come on. I think you just enjoy it. It's great. Uh, 
Yeah, just at least there's right leadership anyway. at Microsoft. I really feel like Google is just a bunch of different people doing whatever the hell they want. Certainly, how that keynote felt. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I um, Sundar Pichai comes off as a good guy. Um, not to get off on a tangent, but I, I was well, he's too nice. He, right, if maybe he wasn't the right guy for this, right? Because they're going to war. You know, they need someone who maybe. It's more of a MacArthur. They need a wartime you know. consigliere. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Their, their, their primary revenue source has been threatened. They That's don't right. seem to be reacting that way particularly well. Yeah. I, I, I Yeah. Slow and steady wins the race, I think, is the theory. I, I don't know. Uh, anyone who's ever watched a race will tell you that's not actually how races are won. No. Um, <laughs> and, I, I, and, you know, I know there's a fun fable about a fox and a or a um, – a rabbit and a hare or whatever, but uh, yeah, that's a, that's a children's story. That's <laughs> the tortoise that's, never uh, really wins. Yeah, you surprised how the hare really does most of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 I know I'm yeah. an F1 Sorry. fan. I know, I know who wins. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow. Uh, yeah. He may be the wrong person, but we'll, we'll see. So I don't want to beat to death too much. I have three, I have three or four, three, four, <laughs> actually four, Stories here that are kind of related to the insider program and things that Microsoft is testing. And honestly, I can't say that a lot of it is super interesting. They continue to test and change uh, widgets. There's new widgets coming, new ways of displaying widgets and so, uh, so on and so forth. I think the one thing that would, to me, that would put widgets over the top is if they would just let people turn off the feed. Um, let me put, in other words, once maybe there's a point where there are enough, um, well, that's funny. I have dual screens, so widgets are appearing on the left screen, but not on the. Uh, okay. Anyway, maybe there's a, a point where there are enough widgets that I can add that I want, you know, things like weather and sports or whatever it is, and I can get rid of all the new stuff that this interface would become truly useful. Like that to me would be fantastic. Um, until and unless they do that, uh, they can kind of screw around with widgets all they want. I, I just don't think it matters all that much. Right. I mean, like, you know, who cares if, if you're just showing me low quality garbage from MSN start or whatever it's called now, you can keep working on that till you're blue in the face. So it doesn't really matter, but you know, photo apps is getting a new slideshow and spot fixing tool in the beta channel. And that's fantastic. That's an app. That's a, an app that can be updated on its own. We're all going to get that probably in the next two to four weeks. There was a sort of fix to that windows laps uh, hmm. bug. Uh, also in the beta channel. Um, I don't know if you know more about that. I'm, I'm sure you know more about it than I do, Richard, but I don't know if there's anything it's, interesting there. But yeah, it, what, it's what happens when the new team takes on an old tool, yeah. right? But that's, yeah. We talked about this when they first rolled out the, the, this official version of LAPS right. for workstations uh, that would work with 11. And that it collide, if you were already in the LAPS ecosystem with the original version, and there were certain configuration issues. You could you could basically knock the machine off, where you just couldn't get into local admin access. And uh, certain and, oh boy, it's, boy. there's some great Reddit threads on that one. Let me tell you. And again, right. it's it's a classic problem of like don't punish the folks that are already committed. The weird thing there is laps. They had this new laps had been tested for months and months. It's yeah. not like this. They did just drive. I just this think out it was mostly day. tested on fresh installs that they're yeah. trying to get new people in the lab. So not thinking about the people that are already there. Okay. Yeah. And so they, they made some blunders for taking care of the folks that were already in there. And let's see. 
And then this is just what goes around comes I, around. I didn't even want to read this. It just gave me chills. This is the widget one. Yeah. Yeah. What? So like, what? I just switched it. The word active. <laughs> history, let's say that a short history of widgets and windows, right? Um, obviously with the, well, not maybe not obviously, but with IE4, we had something called active desktop and we had something that was sort of like widgets for a little while. And then with windows Vista, uh, starting with Longhorn, we had the sidebar and we had widgets in the sidebar. And I think those were actually in some ways were very similar to what we have today, because I believe those were created with, uh, HTML and JavaScript. Well, no, no, no. It was active X. Yeah. No, no, I mean the, the Vista one. Oh, the uh, Vista one. No, but the problem with active X is you're basically letting a third party yeah, run an arbitrary program on your computer. What could possibly go wrong? I just give Microsoft credit for getting rid of all those huge security problems really quick. Wow, uh, they got to them really early in their history. <laughs> so, well, they certainly uh, saw it coming. Yeah, yeah. And so with Windows, first. with Windows Seven, um, they changed widgets so they could be on the desktop. Remember, and then mm-hmm. we stopped pretending that uh, widgets matter. We went away, and that was the end of that. Well. Apparently, <laughs> they're thinking about putting. Well, also we had live tiles. I guess live tiles in Windows yeah, Ten, some and actually widget. Windows Eight, where it was sort of yeah. widgety. You know, there's some widget yeah. type technology there. It's a an app view, if you will. Microsoft clearly thinks be. people want little doohickeys on their desktop. Yeah. But now they're HTML. You said they're HTML, JavaScript. They're they're, again, they're relatively. Again, I believe they are. Yeah, the, the widget board, and they're but they're cons- they're constrained. They're confined to the widget board, right? That you have to bring up and see. And this right. has always so been kind of the problem. Up. Like, how do you how do you deal with stuff that you don't see all the time? I think this was the problem with um, live tiles in Windows ten, and I guess in Windows eight as well. Assuming you were using a traditional desktop computer, which is that. I'm looking at the desktop and this, the thing where these, where this live information is happening is hidden, you know? Um, so now they're talking about putting them back on the desktop. So it's possible in windows 11, v, you know, 23 H2, whatever. Um, maybe you don't have to have the widget port open. So I guess we keep playing with this. Uh, I can't say that I'm excited, but anyway. And then uh, last week, I think it was, we talked about Intel and AMD yeah. and their earnings, right? And how bad or that was. Or lack thereof. Yeah. Well, Qualcomm is doing great. Oh, no, wait. No, they aren't. <laughs> uh, Qualcomm. Although I, I, Qualcomm revenues actually fell less as a percentage than Intel or AMD's. Uh, 17% down, mm-hmm. uh, $9.28 billion, uh, in the quarter ending March 26th. Um, Qualcomm, of course, doesn't just make, you know, uh, what I would call microprocessors, but SOCs, but they also make other chipsets. So there's, they, mm-hmm. they're lots of modem chipsets, radio. Yeah. Well, and their now, big they, business least, is uh, licensing is, their patents. Yeah. Well, that's, that is also one of their businesses. That's true. Um, and, and Apple's one of their customers for now. I mean, until Apple figures out modems uh, or whatever it is. No, is it modems? Because they yeah, own, modems. so Qualcomm owned CDMA. They yeah. owned, um, they own the technologies that are in a lot of all smartphones right now, right? Yeah, yeah, this is, right. But I think the only I think the only Qualcomm chipset that's in an Apple phone is the modem. The modem, and they're at and Apple's quickly. Apple bought. Remember, they bought Intel's. Right. Modem First, they used right? Intel's. Intel's modems yeah. were so bad, they were terrible. Yeah. They had to slow Qualcomm's well, down because right, the same the year iPhone had it's both. Just, you know, one or the other, oh, and they didn't so want good. one i one 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 set of them to be much faster than the other. 
Yeah. Uh, right. I don't know if that's still the case, but they're they're working as fast as their little Apple feet can can run to right. to make new right. Apple only modems. Yeah. So Qualcomm, Qualcomm uh, unfortunately, uh, because they're in the smartphone space and tablet space, right? Those markets have declined in recent years, just like the PC market. Um, they're bigger markets, but they they've been down big as well. And uh, unlike with the PC market, where AMD and Intel both said we we see the second half of the year as being kind of a rebound, not a rebound to pandemic levels, but you know, uh, r- r- do they break years. out? I mean, I see in your article it says the Furman's mm-hmm. earned six point one billion dollars related to smartphone yeah. chipsets, but is that manufacture and sale of smartphone chipsets, or does that include licenses? Because I have a feeling no licenses, licenses is. Well, okay. So when you said licenses, you click something in the back of my brain because I, I wrote this article. And I didn't mention anything about licensing, right? So in the past, they always called that out. Uh, and I don't mean every single quarter. I mean, it, they used to call that out. And then you're right. It's at, at some point they've stopped talking or I missed it or something. I, if, if it is in there, it is a very small part of the business. So, or they do is, what Microsoft, Apple, and a lot of other companies do now and roll yeah, that so into me, some other I'm, larger. Category like, for instance, no, uh, I think okay. Chipset. So I think I actually, I think I dismissed it. So okay, I believe that they have two main businesses. So QCT, which I think is the chipset stuff. That's so right. That's, they spun it out, didn't they? Yeah, that's and then right. QTL. Right. So uh, yeah, actually, they're. Um, I don't see it for the current. Where is it? Sorry, maybe they. I don't uh, see it for the current quarter. They but gu- I'll, just, I'll just put it this way: their guidance for the current quarter is that they'll make somewhere around seven billion in revenues from chipsets and somewhere around one to 1.25 or i guess it's 1.35 in licensing revenue so that's oh, okay. that's how those things come all right out. so it's still there yeah it's yeah. still there but actually it's not in there it's not in there i don't unless i'm missing i don't see it in there maybe they report results. separately uh because they did no they have it for their business in the business outlook section they call it out huh. and in the current quarter they do not so I, I, that's how I, that's why I missed it. I still don't see it actually. Right. Yeah. So that's how I missed well, it. Well, they, they didn't make 7 billion in uh chipsets. They made 6.1. So they didn't live up to their, <laughs> their <Yeah. Okay>. predictions. <laughs> yeah. I don't well, I have yeah, to think the licensing is becoming less and less valuable as companies like Apple try to go their own way. Although, you know, even if Apple makes a chip, well, they're going to probably have to license if they want to support CDMA. Uh, you got to remember that. I mean, well, so, you know, from a, uh, what do you call it? Like a unit sold perspective or uh, whatever, a user-based perspective, Android's still like 80% of the market. Right. I know it's revenue. It's not, it's completely turned around, but, you know, they, they, they'll still learn, earn something, I would think, from. Uh, yeah, of course. No, no they license it to Samsung and Google and everybody yeah. else. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to slow you, you down. Continue. You that's all the no. hardware vendors now. Like we've gotten through the list of hardware vendors that have been yeah. brutalized. Like I can't believe um, <laughs> are the cloud guys going to get You got to understand. Yeah. I I I uh, convinced. in my own sort of mini form of Tourette's, uh there's a time of the the quarter, I'll call it, where the results all start coming in and my life starts to really suck cuz I have to do math and it's, you know, it's awful. <laughs> and and I always think I'm done. That's the thing. Like it's like Microsoft Amazon, Google, Apple, Meta, and then a couple of small. And I'm like, good. Now we're done. Like, nope. Intel, AMD. All right. All right. All right. It's all endless. Right. And then you're like, all right, we're done now. Nope. Qualcomm. And like these guys, some of them are on skewed, like Nintendo and Sony are also on this list. Like right. they, they do most of them. Like when I write these things, it's like 
for the quarter ending March 31st is the typical thing. But some of them are like, this one is March 26th. One of the companies that I remember, which was April 4th. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but then you'll have some weird company. I don't remember which one. There's one company that does their quarterly. And then I do some PC maker stuff too, I should say. But some of these, some of the quarters will be like the, the, they'll call it the February quarter. And it's like the February, March and April is a quarter for them. It's like, guys, could, could we get on, could we get on the Making same cycle calendars here? now, you know? <laughs> Because what I don't want is to have to keep writing this stuff and then like two weeks goes by and then the next cycle starts up again. Like yeah. I, I wish it was all just one week, but it, it, it gets spread out. You got to do uh, what Jason Snell does over on our Mac side. He, uh, mm-hmm. he has a website, Six Colors, and he's just got an Excel macro. He play, yeah. pastes in the numbers. It generates all these color graphs, and that's, that's the blog post oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. is the graphs. Right. Yeah, actually, I only do that, that for one thing, and that's PC sales. That's right. I only do it once a year in yep. January. So actually, yep. so I don't, I'm not an Excel guy, right? Obviously, I'm a writer. So every January, <laughs> uh, eventually, IDC and uh, Qual- or, um, uh, Gartner will both chime in with their results, and I'll I'll put the number, I'll do all the math, you know, <laughs> and then I have to go find, I'll go back to OneDrive from January a year ago. I look for the Excel spreadsheet, oh, and pull gosh. it out, make a copy of it, and then I'm like, okay, how do you use Excel again? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. I like. It's like I, it's like any language. Yeah, Every you forget year. it. I'm, yeah, I, it's yeah. unbelievable. Like, I, I, it's the only thing I use it for. And every year, it's like I've never even seen this program before. What are these squares doing? What is this? Randall it, Schwartz, who used to a host, perfect candidate for M three. Yeah, right. Like, we're, yeah. No, this is why. This is why I completely get it. This, I, I yeah. uh, did you yeah. see the Google Sheets stuff they were doing mm-hmm. with uh, AI? I, I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. And too. the slides. Yep, anyway, beautiful. let's let's take a little break uh, while Paul suffers in silence. <laughs> How about that? How about that? I never suffer in yeah, silence. No. Oh, yeah. Years. What was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speaking of hardware manufacturers, I want to talk to you about Lenovo, orchestrated by our sponsor, the experts at CDW. The helpful people at CDW understand as the world changes, your organization has to adapt quickly to be successful. So, how can CDW keep your business ahead of the curve? Well, one way is with Lenovo ThinkPads. Oh, I love my ThinkPad. I've got it right here. Oh, I love it. These powerful devices deliver the business class performance you're looking for, thanks to Windows 10 and the Intel Evo platform. With your remote teams working across the country and around the world, collaboration, not a problem, because Lenovo ThinkPads keep your organization productive and connected from anywhere. Plus, CDW knows your workforce has different work styles, needs flexibility. That's why Lenovo ThinkPads are equipped with responsive tools and built-in features that let your team work seamlessly across all their favorite tools. Now, think about that for a second. And let's not forget about security. Very important these days, right? These high-performing machines protect at the highest level with built-in hardware to guard against modern threats without slowing your team down. When you need to get more out of your technology, Lenovo makes seamless productivity possible. CDW makes it powerful. Learn more at cdw.com slash Lenovo client. cdw.com slash Lenovo client. We thank CDW and Lenovo for helping uh, keep Windows Weekly rolling. And we invite you to go to that address because that's that's how you help. cdw.com slash Lenovo. Client. I am a, a font of useless references from the 70s. Yes. So 
rolling, rolling, rolling. This is just what went through my head. And I finally remembered. The- Rawhide. Keep those doggies rolling, 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 rawhide. In wind and Richard rain said. and weather, hell bent for leather. You're going to make Hope me forget the other one. Hope your girl is by your side. <laughs> oh, sorry. You had another one. What's he, the other one? Um, I just forgot it. Oh, Damn I'm it. sorry. No, I thought- Richard, Richard said, Richard said, not Sundar, but he said it in a sing-songy voice. So it was like, yeah. not Sundar. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's an ad from the 70s. And it's like, and I just forgot it. I don't it know again, what it is. I just not, thought of it. Not Sundar. No, it's like, it's Menon or like, like. Oh, Menon. Like, you know, right? Yeah. It's something like that, right? Yeah. Oh, I now just, you got me. The chat room. It's killing though. me. Scooter X has probably already pulled up the by Menon. <laughs> right. By men there. By men. It was, it was men in. I had men in. Yep. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, yes. Shinji and Emen7. They both knew it was men in. This wasn't a great ad because I don't know what men in is. It's an underarm but deodorant. I, you probably don't need oh, there it. There you go. <clears throat> there you go. Because but you smell. There you go. I smell like a man, is what I smell. Like, like. a man. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, by men in. There you go. Right, right, right. By right. men in. That's funny. Thank you. God, that was killing me. <laughs> Oh, and then I sang the Rawhide theme for nothing. I gotta, I gotta close the uh, ADD loop on that one. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, I know the feeling. Good luck. Oh, Wait a minute. Let me see. I could probably find the. Uh, it, it's tough. The ad, if you want. I did. I saw. I saw it. It's. Yeah, you're right. It's. Uh, yeah. 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 The Let's see. Was it the? Oh, maybe it wasn't the underarm deodorant. Maybe it was Men in was Skin Brace or something. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I love the voice. <laughs> America wakes up. <laughs> so good. Those the were the morning. good old days. Were it's they? not like those afternoon aftershaves. I need an evening aftershave. Thanks. I needed that. That was actually the... Uh, the slogan. Thanks. I needed that. I needed that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I needed that after that Google show. That's what I should have done. Slap some a men skin in on bracer. Face. You know, I actually. Um, I'm a little on a cut. It'll wake you right up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I yes. tried it uh, because I thought, you know, for a while, mm-hmm. I'm sure every man goes through this. I thought, boy, wouldn't it be nice to shave with an electric razor? Right. Because I'm cutting my face Same. up. But then you slapped on that stuff afterwards. <laughs> oh no! Yep. Well, I think the idea of skin bracer was you put it on. I don't know before you shave with the electric razor, and it helps. But it really didn't. And then See, you're right. If you do it after is, you shave, I literally sometime in the past six months had a conversation with my wife about um, uh, what do you call this? Uh, the shampoo, and then what's the stuff you put on after shampoo? I don't even know conditioner? what it is. Conditioner. Conditioner. And I'm like, what is this stuff? What is, what, what is, what do you use this for? And she's like, are you kidding me? And I said, no, I mean, do you leave it in your hair? Do you rinse it out? <laughs> she's like, you're 55 years old. You don't know what conditioner is. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't, I just, I don't, I, I see it in the tub. I don't know. What's it here for? <laughs> what does it do? All right. I take accident, you back. I put it in my hair because I wanted shampoo. <laughs> I know we shouldn't be <laughs> yeah. doing this because we're running late, but I'm going to take you back to 1979. Okay. And see if you recognize this actor. In a Meninad. One's too strong. One's too light. One's just what? wrong. One's oh, that's John Goodman. 
That is a that skinny, is a young John Goodman. skinny young John Goodman. Yep. Look at him. A lot of hair. Skin Bracer's yeah. got the nice, clean smell you're looking for in an aftershave. Skin Bracer's got those skin oh, tighteners and chin chillers that really wake you up. And there's nothing heavy. He recognized the smile, right? <laughs> yeah, it was all downhill for his career after this one, but... Skin Bracer hits you just right. right. Just right. <laughs> Ow! Okay, put, All right. put some of that on, get some conditioner going. <laughs> I did not. I tell you, I had no idea that he did the uh, the men in skin racer ads. That's yeah. that's hysterical. All right. Back we go okay. to the yes. excitement of Microsoft 365. <laughs> okay. Well, it is pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, a couple of big developments this past week. Uh, one is that if you were waiting in line to get into the Bing chatbot, no worries now. It's an open preview. Anyone can get in now. Um, there's some, you know, uh, additional capabilities related to, uh, you know, uh, graphical answers and so forth, you know, creating graphics. All we care about is the icon here, Paul. Like, are they going to fix the, the icon, icon is still what? big and blue. Actually. Yeah, so there's a, there's a weird, there was a weird, the icon. there was a weird little bit about Microsoft edge. They mentioned that we're, re- we, Microsoft are redesigning Microsoft edge, which is really interesting because this browser is you know, become a huge problem with additional features. And this is all they said about it. You'll begin to see, like, begin to see, what does that mean? You just going to start rolling it out? Yes. Anyway, you'll begin Things to are see. Going to happen. You are yeah. going to be a victim of. God, this company. A sleeker and enhanced user interface, including yeah. a streamlined look, rounded corners, organized containers, and semi-transparent visual elements. That's how they describe it. Wow. Okay. So it's fair to say. Whether you language for get ready for cheese shuffling. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a rumor that Microsoft is going to give users the chance to choose which of these kind of superfluous features are in the browser. I, I welcome that. Uh, maybe that's part of the streamlined or whatever the hell they said it. Yeah. Streamlined look. Um, we'll see. But yeah, this is, I, I feel like one day. Someone who's using Edge is going to be like, does this look different? What what happened? Is it using conditioner? What is, this? What is yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the shampoo? Is that what happened? It's using Menon. <laughs> right. Oh, boy. Thanks. I used to need that. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I used to need that. Wait a minute. I found it. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Wait a minute. What, am I, what have I done? Oh, I got it muted. Okay, unmute. Give you the edge. Oh, oh the edge. Give you the edge. the edge. Speed stick, super dry, antiperspirant. There you there go. Is. That's, <laughs> that's just to re- reaffirm your memory is not I, shot. Yeah, when Richard said that, he woke up this long dead Jeez, no no, wonder. cell in the back of my brain somewhere. <laughs> there is a uh, Seinfeld episode. <laughs> Where okay. Seinfeld's talking to George Costanza and he said, I don't know how you ever get a date. He says, well, I'm like a commercial jingle. At first you hate it, but then you hear it over <laughs> nice. and over. You can't forget it. And then he actually sings by Menon. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. That's hilarious. That's great. So it's okay. not just you. It's you okay, no, and George funny. Costanza. <laughs> that one's stuck in there. Yeah. It's like a little cancer. You know, to get rid of it. All right. Um, <clears throat> okay. Okay. Yes. Serious now. Okay. Let's get serious. All right. So, all right, <laughs> we can do this. <laughs> so we just <laughs> we just watched the Google event, and a big chunk of it was this AI stuff. Oh, and I, to me, you know, it's really catch up to Microsoft. By... Totally, catch. Yeah. they were. It's yeah, clear yeah, yeah. from watching the event they were shaking in their boots. 
Okay. Right. Wow. And they felt so like I, we got to respond to this. Okay. I mean, I'm less cynically, Leo, I would say <laughs> that both Microsoft and Google are in the same place. They have the same kind of back end capabilities. They have a lot of the same front end productivity capabilities. I think we're going to see some overlap, you know? Um, I think Microsoft, no, I think they're both going to do pretty well in the productivity stuff. I think Microsoft, just by virtue of the fact they have a bigger market or usage share, whatever, will have more of an impact there. I think Google's going to have more impact on the search stuff. You know, we'll see. But I, it was hard not to think of Microsoft during the Google workspace part of the show, which I think was right near the beginning. And they were talking about how you could use it in Gmail to help you write emails and how you could use it in uh, docs to help you write documents. I could use it, you know, in spreadsheets or uh, not, I'm sorry, in um, whatever the slides thing is called slides, uh, the presentation package to create, um, you know, talking points uh, based on the slides and all that stuff. And I'm like, yep, this is exactly what Microsoft is doing in, in uh, Microsoft 365. And they just expanded the copilot uh, to a broader uh, set of uh, commercial customers. And that's exactly what you're seeing. You know, Dolly integration and PowerPoint, uh, the ability for this thing to rewrite uh, uh, slides for you in PowerPoint. So if you have a bunch of bullet points, it will turn it into a paragraph of text, which is exactly what Google just showed off. You know, suggestions and outlook, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, these things. This is an arms race. There's no doubt about it. I I think the thing that's interesting about it is that I don't know that there's a clear winner. You know, across the board, I don't think it's like Microsoft wins AI. I don't. It's I don't not think a tortoise and a hare thing to to call back no. to your previous yeah uh, thoughts. It, it, they're much more e- no, it's, a, a it's race like between a, equals. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's uh, there's going to be a lot of ple- uh, companies, I guess that finish the marathon, you know, that uh, come through with some form of AI functionality in their products. So you're going to see this everywhere. And it's actually, I think the question we, of what are they using on the back end, right? I mean, yeah, open AI, all, all of ChatGPT, all got implemented mm-hmm. against Azure. They originally mm-hmm. weren't, you know, part of Microsoft spending money on them was to get them to move to Azure. Right. Uh, and, right. It, and the big thing with large language models is they are computationally intensive. So only the big, Cloud vendors are going to be able to host these things realistically. They're yep. going to license it out to others. That's right. So, you know, you can go use OpenAI in, in both the, the Azure way and others. So, that, you know, but in the end, you're just consuming Azure, which is what Microsoft wanted in the first place. Yeah, the right. I mean, th- there's a perception pr- problem or a, per- a perception thing where front-facing services that are popular are going to live and die on AI now, right? So let's say mm-hmm. Google search. Google search is very high profile. Everyone knows about it, billions of users. Um, if Google search continues to be the market leader, that kind of is the story. They survive this AI thing. They right. move forward. They have AI capabilities. Great. But I do think, what you're, to your point, I think the back end stuff. So if you're Amazon or Microsoft in particular, but also Google to a lesser degree, mm-hmm. um, I think there's great success to be had on the back end by people, uh, other companies adopting your service. So they're yeah. using Azure on the back end in this case. And it's some super popular thing. Talked about much like M365 is very big on this idea. They call the Microsoft graph, but it's mm-hmm. essentially that your organization's entire behavior is manifested inside yeah. of M365 between emails and chats and documents and all of those right. workflows. Right. And I presume Google has all of this. Because of docs yeah. and, and yeah. workspaces I, and so They forth. never talk about it, though. They, they never really talk about, talk about it. No. And when you add in this large language model, this co-pilot aspect, I mean, what does that really right. mean? 
It means that the, that the information worker is literally going to send their intent to a piece of software that right. then for the day that's then going to help them navigate the tools to be productive. I mean, and, for starters, that's a great well, solution for M365 because there's way too many icons I do not know. So, yeah, <laughs> so if there's a tool that can help me use those, that's pretty cool. That's a great solution for Workspace and Microsoft 365. But I think the thing that will set Microsoft apart in that space and the, and the way that they sort of win productivity, if you will, mm-hmm. is that they that the Microsoft Graph bit is all of the permissions and et cetera. So you're not just feeding a large language model into this thing, but this thing has an understanding of, well, this is private company information and this can't go out to a public facing PowerPoint presentation. Or right. Whatever it is. Um, yeah. I think that aspect of it is going to be huge too. And that's where Google not necessarily, I mean, Google has permissions and whatever, but I don't know that they have anything that's even close to the Microsoft graph. Well, and uh, we don't exactly. normally talk about the Viva products here anyway, but yeah. to me, the, the especially the original Viva line, the experience engagement, the learning, yeah. all of the insights, mm-hmm. those were all things that were actually ways to surface the graph that yeah. were kind of non-discriminatory and resisted the creepiness factor because they've, right. they've right. made several attempts to build tools to utilize the graph that always fell into that uncanny valley of surveillance <laughs> software. Right. Right. And well, the onboarding stuff is, I don't mean to say easy, but it, that's a, it's an easy win. Sure. The, uh, hey, Bob, uh, the people in your organization have spent this many minutes in teams meetings and you'll notice Sally's lagging a little behind. Uh, that stuff is hugely sure. problematic. Well, and, and, problematic. you know, when, when I was doing real IT work and goodness knows I don't anymore, one of the things you did was you watched the logs to see who was using what products. Right. And often if you saw someone who just wasn't using a particular product that was important to the organization, you could do targeted training. But as soon as a person's involved in that, you have a discriminatory aspect. So when you go oh, look geez. at the way I mean, Viva Learning works, I, Viva Learning I, is about expressing algorithms that say, based on utilization, send for training. So it's non-discriminatory. This is tough because there are actually good reasons to use that data in a way that's meaningful to the company. So, for example, mm-hmm. Microsoft 365 comes in 117 different tiers. Bob is only using uh, the features that are available in the, one of the lower tiers. It's not impacting what he has to do for work. That's fine, but we can save money by making sure yeah, we're we only providing him, him down a couple of notches. That's right. Or where the tools could turn him up. But to yep. me, the, the crazy one, the one I'd want to jump on board, is the sentiment analysis of the conversations being had in with the co-pilot. Oh, interesting. Like okay. the ability, you know, when I've been managing software developers, what do I watch? I so, watch check-ins <laughs> into the source code repository. Right, because yeah. if you keep interrupting a developer, you slow down their productivity. It's like yanking flowers out of the ground to see how the roots are growing. So right. you leave them alone, but you watch the check-ins. Right, because a happy developer checks in several times a day. Some only check in once a day, but they do check in once a day. But here's the more salient part: if they haven't checked any code in in three days, yep. do you really What's think up? on day four you're going to get the best check-in known to man? I think you need to do a proof of life check first. Yeah. I mean, and that's basically it. Like, <laughs> you know, at that point, I'd like a welfare check on coder three. Yeah. Can we uh, can we send a police officer over to? Uh, uh, and usually, most of the time, when I'd stick my head in the door of that particular person, <laughs> they've got keyboard imprints on their forehead because they've been smashing their heads. <laughs> right, the right. For days. Don't doesn't yeah. don't you think about stuff though? I mean, sometimes you want to think about something before oh, you absolutely write it, but. You also tend to experiment a little. So you'll kick off a branch and you'll play sure, with some stuff. Sure, but you won't commit it, will you? I mean, 
no, no, no. You'll it, probably <laughs> kill the branch off. Right. But again, for me as an, an administrator, it's a way for me to watch without interrupting. You'll see that they're at least doing something. Yeah. You see, yeah. act- you're yeah. just looking for activity. Yeah. Some code got played with it, got okay. knocked out. Like, you're, you're not just you're looking at commits. You're, yeah, you want to see some yeah. activity. But if I see no action on source code for days, then it's yeah. a good thing to sort of poke your head in. And I think that's tougher to see with information workers. So the idea that you could have yeah. sentiment analysis against the conversations to just say, hey, I, I think this employee is frustrated. Right, like you should see what they're saying to the co-pilot. Well, okay. When you say sentiment, give me a gosh darn login. That's right. Is that is that what you're looking? You're looking for tone? Is it because yeah. Um, I you know, I have a obviously people who read my website are on the technical side, and mm-hmm. um, I can say one thing they don't like is this uh, comment system we have that is checking for tone and checking for abuse and for, you know and has these words that it doesn't want you to use and it won't allow certain things through and man man are we aren't we all adults here you know is the, yeah. the thing i hear a lot and it's like no we're not that's why it's there because yeah. the thing is you, you people go after each other like pit bulls when there's not when something doesn't prevent you from doing it and now you're just getting mad because something's prevent you from doing it <laughs> you know so it's like you kind of need to have this I don't, if that's an interesting thing in a in a workplace just for um I don't know what do you, I don't know what you call that just for the well-being of everybody involved, mm-hmm. right? That you don't have the uh, the one guy, especially we're not across from each other. And, and if the internet has taught us anything, is that anyone can be their worst self online very easily. Yeah, and uh, often it seems to be the default uh, posture. Unfortunately, I, I think it is a cultivated skill to have orthogonality between yeah. your digital self and your physical self. <laughs> Interesting. Wow, I'm going to really yeah. have to think about that. I'll check in in a couple of days, okay? Cause <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. I don't know yeah. what the hell yeah. that means. I'm going to put on my big thinking hat. and uh, <laughs> I do my best thinking in the tropics. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it. I like to have my, fe- my feet in some yeah. sand when I'm thinking. Yes, indeed. Yeah. yeah. Me and Brian Wilson. <laughs> uh, you know, it does strike me. I was just thinking this is kind of random, but uh, Microsoft – Unlike Google, which has a different name for every possible facet of its AI, right? They have so many names. Microsoft is exactly the opposite. Outlook means 20 different things. Copilot now means the GitHub Copilot, but there's also Microsoft. Microsoft acts as like a stingy miser, like, oh, there aren't so many names. And and Google's just like the crazy uncle just going, here, have a name, have a name. Everybody gets a name. It's very odd that they're so opposite. I was I, I was thinking during the Google thing. I'm surprised there were names to take. You know, actually, <laughs> well, they use they use the name continuity. Yeah, guys, they, yeah. that's been used before. Yeah, Apple yeah. uses. Um, it. Yeah, I yeah. thought that was kind of interesting. You know, it's it's very strange. I, I think it's yep. I think it's actually a measure. Uh, gosh, this might be overstretching it, but it's a measure of their corporate structure. That in Google, yeah. you're rewarded. Oh, okay. I, I, I was going to call it. Okay. No, I think you're on the right path. For spinning I, it, up something new. You know, you're the new thing, the new thing, the new thing. You're rewarded for that. Microsoft used to be. This is like be, the corporate personality. It's their like personality. It, the, the, it's, and it's driven by the founders in both cases, I think. Microsoft's uh, just more the mentality that was kind of laid into the company. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. I, I don't know that I'm, I have the right words for it, but it's. I think you're on the right. Not path. not to forget that Microsoft invented Hungarian notation, 
So they, well, <laughs> they that do. Was they, well, a, a that was Simone, yeah, yeah, and, and he, but, he worked at Microsoft. <laughs> Microsoft also had serious problems with naming, like Metro. Yeah, right, right. right. So right. maybe there's enough legal wrapped around producing a name that these. Oh, oh way, it Met, could Metro, be that. Could be that. Yep. Everyone uh, knows the Metro one, but you know, uh, for some reason, people forget SkyDrive. SkyDrive, another great. <laughs> you know, yeah. which is. Uh, I, yeah, but they got sued by Rupert Murdoch for crying out. I, I know it's yeah. crazy. That's yeah. goody. So yeah, I think they. So the whole idea that you have a name that is already acceptable and you can just stick a word in front of it and it's good. Mm-hmm. Co-pilot all the things. Wouldn't that be interesting? It might. You might be more not a measure of uh, a solidarity, but more a measure of of timid timidness, legal timidness. I, well, on Microsoft's in Microsoft's case, but this thing specifically, Copilot. I will just say this. Microsoft has a really does a really bad job at branding, like you said. Yep. This is a great brand. They know Stick that we're yeah. using this everywhere. No, like, I this think this is right. the right brand. Yeah. It's just they just go, go, go. and it's I don't, it's I GitHub Copilot, Microsoft 365 Copilot. Yeah. Those flavors tell yep. you what you're getting. I mean, that's right. Sure. The Copilot's a phenomenal name. Yeah, it's it's such a, a great name. A really great product name. It was Silverlight. <laughs> okay. Too soon. You tell I me think. I'm wrong if you like. I'm too, okay with you. Too being soon. Wrong <laughs> I uh, I liked it when it was called Windows Presentation Foundation Everywhere. But yeah, no, Silverlight was pretty good too. Um, that, that was Brad Abrams' line. It's like if I give it a terrible code name, I get a good. Well, product. you got to tell him why. Silver, so explain the Silverlight name and why it was so great because it is a great name. Oh, the 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 oh that this is what's left in an old. You remember the old kind of mechanical flash bulbs that mm-hmm. rotated and they yep. they like on a Kodak camera. Yeah, yep. yeah, they had like that so long the, filament that would all go off at yeah. once. Yeah. So when that filament is burned, it's called silver light because silver light is what comes after, after flash. flash. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah. Okay, I know. I did yeah. not know that. Yep. And that so that's, is that's actually freaking yep. awesome. Great, yep. isn't it? That's yep. clever. And Brad, who thought that up, Brad? I don't know that he thought it up, but he was part of the team. He, he was the guy who did the original .NET Rocks, where he announced the name and, and that whole story. And that's a, a great example of what Microsoft would have done traditionally is the name they had originally, Windows Presentation Foundation Everywhere, this totally yeah. ponderous name. WPF. Yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah, because and, the code yeah. name was Avalon, and Avalon was an yeah. awesome name. Exactly. So exactly. Yep. I had no idea. Silverlight is what comes after Flash. I, I wrote that yeah. down. That is. Yeah. yeah. No, it's good stuff. Awesome. It's a good one. Uh, See, what this came is why I like you guys. By the way, you, was the you, open web. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. No, you guys have the history but, in your. In your uh, yeah. You got to tell me the run is uh, the uh, .NET Rock story sometime too. We'll save that for another, oh, another day. Yeah. Want to hear that? I thought you came up with All that. Right. Nope. That's Carl. Mm. Very good. <laughs> okay. Uh, meanwhile. Back, back at Microsoft 365. Where are we? So uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was a story about Microsoft working on its own in-house chipsets for its data centers to lower the cost of the cloud computing capabilities necessary for AI. Uh, Bloomberg reported this past week that they are partnering with, oh, I'm sorry, I should say that chipset, I think is codenamed Athena, which by the way, is a name Microsoft has used in the past. Um, at least twice, in fact. Uh, yes, if I'm not mistaken, Outlook Express, the original, or Microsoft Mail and News, I think that was Athena. And it was also a project, Athena, that was a uh, project they were working on with HP to create a modern Longhorn computer that had a phone attached to it with a cord. <laughs> it's all kinds of stupid stuff now. And uh, now they're using it for this chipset. Anyway, 
Uh, Bloomberg reported that Microsoft is partnering with AMD to bring this thing to market. Uh, they cited mar- multiple sources. They had this whole story about it. And then Microsoft came out and said, AMD is a great partner. However, they are not involved in Athena. <laughs> that was just the shortest quote of all time. Um, so I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means Microsoft is partnering with AMD. See, it doesn't say they're not partnering with them, right? So they're clearly partnering with them on hardware. They do AMD chipsets and some of the Surface devices. They have partnered with them to make sure that future AMD chipsets and actually some current chipsets have that uh, NPU we've been talking about, the neural processing unit, which is for AI. Um, it is possible that Microsoft wants to use AMD in a future Surface device with some kind of MPU from, you know, in an AMD chipset. So maybe that's what that is. I don't know. But uh, apparently what they are not partnering on is the chipset Microsoft's going to use in their data centers. So hmm. we shall see. Okay. Is it the difference between people. being involved and being committed? The difference between um, the chicken and the ham? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think the difference is Athena is the wife and AMD is the mistress. No, I don't know. Uh, no. I don't know. Okay, I don't know where you're going with that, but uh, I'm going to stop you right there, buddy boy. Leo, I'm a little uh, a little punchy today, but I think it's something like that. Yeah. Okay. So they're three, <laughs> but it sounds. I mean, partnering sounds like they're in, like AMD is involved, really, right? They're saying they're not well, involved. Look, I, I, on, I mean, on some level, Microsoft is partnering with AMD, right? And and mm-hmm. Intel and Qualcomm. And the only question is what comes out of that. So I think right. what they got to the heart of was that these guys, there's work going on between these two companies on chipsets that are related to AI. Okay. Um, it's not apparently the AI chipsets that are going into Microsoft. They quoted the wrong centers. code name, but that's about it. Ah. But the fact that they didn't deny the ah. part on AI chipsets is interesting. Ah. I, I think that okay. is happening. It's just not. It's just not Athena. Athena. Yeah, got it. Right. It's probably, you know, uh, a client side technology, technology. You know. or it's Project Zeus, the follow up to Athena. <laughs> See how we got you there. Right. You know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, okay. Finally. Yeah. Well, not and really, this is but... the the greatest headline with the least amount of impact in the real world. But it's it's just it's controversial. So Microsoft is, is going to or has now as of I think today started throttling traffic from legacy exchange servers. Asterix, 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 right? So it's, first of all... We uh, knew they were going to do this. They had warned about this, right? Yeah, yeah, they did, yeah. I remember so what they're, what Steve they're Gibson was, was, you know, like up in arms over it. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, well, let's, weeks, let's, sure. let's, let's, let's cut to the chase of what this is then. So Microsoft is concerned with what they call persistently vulnerable instances of Exchange Server. These are on-premises Exchange Servers. They're older versions. Um, it includes w- versions that are unsupported, right, that are not getting security patches every month, like Exchange Server 2007. But it also includes older, well, or not even just older, but supported Exchange versions that are significantly behind on the security updates, right? Those are also considered persistently vulnerable. The The big asterisk here is that they don't have a way to block traffic from on-premises Exchange servers, right? These are uh, on-premises Exchange servers that are used in a hybrid so a hybrid uh, uh, setup where the other half of the chain is an exchange online instance in the cloud. So you have a business that you know has part of their email is on this legacy server, but they're still using exchange online. Microsoft is blocking the traffic. Uh, and to be clear, it's because there is basically no way to completely shut down your on-premise exchange. Okay. So 
There you go. Okay. If you if you're doing any management tools or anything yeah. like that where you have to keep the Active Directory for Exchange in place, you have to leave an Exchange server. You behind. have to leave it. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Okay. And and honestly, you're that, forced into a permanent hybrid state. I'm guessing that's not what Steve Gibson is outraged by, but that is what people should be outraged by, right? That Microsoft did not give these companies the ability to shift completely to the cloud. But of course, what yeah. they don't want to do is hire a guy to just do this, <laughs> keep keep charge of this one server and keep it up to date and whatever. So there's a lot of these things out in the world. I, I think, you know, look, I, under, I, think, I understand Microsoft's motivation. This is how you, there seems to be no other way to get people to update these you know, manifestly well, insecure prompt, so servers. Now, you should just be blocking anything hybrid that's not up well, to date. No, like but see, that's go, the problem. And so far. Steve's point is: a, this is Microsoft's fault because those yeah. bugs are theirs, yeah. and b, mm-hmm. Microsoft's breaking email. You know, it's not right. just breaking somebody's server; it's so breaking here, email. Here's, I'm not, I'm not defending Microsoft, but I will, I will take their stance and just tell you that one of the problems here is they don't have any way to reach these people. No, they don't have a way to. Yeah. So, so they literally said something to the tune of this is how we get them to notice us. (laughs) So, so we can say, guys, you got to keep this thing up to date uh, or move on to a a newer version or whatever it might be. So this is how they're they're using this to get their attention. Um, They're not doing it just blanket across the board, right? They're starting with a very, I think it's exchange uh, 2007. Uh, and then they'll move yeah. up the chain uh, as they go. They'll they'll broaden. And as I understand it, there are there is evidence that exploited old Exchange servers are being used to farm spam yeah. into Exchange Online through right. these hybrid interfaces. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that's yeah. the problem. There certainly is so, a precedent, yeah. uh, you know, black holes and so forth for keeping badly behaved servers out of the you know internet. Um, uh, yeah, I kind of am sympathetic with Microsoft, you know, these serve, but at the same time, Steve's saying, look, you, you don't break email just because somebody isn't patching a thing you broke in the first place. Uh, that was his upset. Well, but yeah, I mean, if it's, if they're spewing spam out into the exchange, ecosystem, 2007 is we're talking about it. I know oh, it's really old. Uh, 16 years old. I yeah. mean, yeah, it's uh, fully out of support, but it's not yeah. just, it's not just publish, not just punishing the server admin is publishing it's punishing anybody sending email through that server. I guess those are all employees of that company. So. Right. Cause it's only in hybrid, right? right? Like the bottom line is if you want to run that old, that old server and run it just through an IMAP interface into exchange online, that's fine. They'll treat you as the spammer. You are, it's the hybrid interface is the right. problem. And I would argue they're being too soft on it. You, that hybrid interface should shut down if yeah. you're not in full. Component. Yeah. 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 Like, there's no reason they couldn't say it has to yeah. be 2016 or above patched at CU23. Is Microsoft right. offering otherwise go up. patches to those old versions of Exchange? Not anymore. No. no. So no. They, they're, not, they're not. It's not patchable. Right. No. Right. And it shouldn't be allowed in hybrid. Full stop. Right. Like I mean, what, <laughs> this is the equivalent of using Windows XP today. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's that old. I mean, it's you're uh, right. Well, Vista had just come out, I guess. So maybe Windows yeah. Vista, but um, nobody used that. So you know, SP three. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, X, XP was in market for probably five years past then or more. I don't remember. But, but always, always the question is, do they really have to support a given version indefinitely into right. new situations that it was never designed for? You know, right. arguably the mistake was allowing you to hybridize 2007 at all. Yeah. Right. There you go. Hmm. Uh, 
and 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 again, throttling, not eliminating. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. The male will go through. What they're doing is stopping spam explosions. Right. Well, that's fair, actually. That's yeah. completely fair. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's take a little break. We've got Xbox. We've got tips, and I think we're going to have some time for brown liquor. Uh, all come, yay, woohoo! All coming up in uh, just a little bit. Paul Thorat and Richard Campbell. Windows Weekly is on the air and brought to you this week by Collide. I've talked about Collide before. For people using Okta, Collide is a device trust solution that ensures unsecured devices cannot access your apps. You're going to say, well, wait a minute. They're not, we're a zero trust architecture. What are you talking about? Oh, well, that's the problem, see? If you're an Okta user, Collide can get your fleet to 100% compliance by patching what turns out to be one of the biggest holes in zero trust architectures, and that's device compliance. Think about how this works. Your identity provider, Okta, for instance, only lets known devices log in, right, to the apps, to the cloud, to get to get to your stuff. But let's not forget this. Just because a device is, in, is known, that's the DevOps guy's laptop, but we know who he is doesn't mean it's in a secure state. Oh, turns out he was running an uh, out-of-date, insecure version of Plex. Whoops, whoops. Plenty of the devices on your fleet, I bet, should not be allowed into the into the network. They shouldn't be trusted. Maybe they're running an out-of-date operating system. Maybe they're running Exchange 2007. But maybe they're got unencrypted credentials lying around. If a device isn't compliant, or isn't running the Collide agent, that's how this all works, it can't access your organization's SaaS apps or other resources. The device user can't log into your company's cloud apps, not until they fix the problem. They fix the problem on their end. And then that's one of the cool things about Collide. It enlists the end user army to get your system to 100% compliance. I'll give you an example. Let's say an employee... Uh, doesn't have an up-to-date browser, right? The Collide agent notes that, blocks him from logging. It's, you know, he, he, he tries to get in through Okta. Oh, nope, you're not allowed in. And let me tell you why. And this is what Collide does is so good. Your browser's out of date. So let me walk you through updating it. End user remediation drives your fleet to 100% compliance and it doesn't overwhelm your IT team. Plus there's a benefit because it's the Ikea effect. The user did it, right? Hey, I'm pretty good here. I made my, I got my, I'm secure. And now they're on your side. They're on your team. Instead of fighting your attempts at compliance, they support it. Without Collide, IT teams just don't have a way to solve these compliance issues or stop insecure devices from logging in. With Collide, you can set and enforce compliance across your entire fleet, completely cross-platform, Mac, Windows, and Linux. Collide's unique in that it makes device compliance part of the authentication process. So when a user logs in with Okta, Collide alerts them to compliance issues and prevents unsecured devices from logging in. And it's security you can feel good about because, well, not only is it taking the load off the shoulders of the IT department, but it puts transparency and respect for users at the center of Collide's product. To sum it up, Collide's method means fewer support tickets, less frustration for you and your team, most importantly, 100% fleet compliance. Patch that hole 
in zero trust architecture. Visit collide.com slash WW, K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash WW. Learn more, book a demo. Collide, K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash WW. We thank Collide for their support of Windows Weekly. You support us when you use that address too. Make sure you do. That way they know you saw it here. K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash WW. Now we have, you know, dessert always comes last on this show. <laughs> yep. it's, it's time to talk Xbox. I, I need something where I can pull a chain and a bunch of confetti comes down from the sky. But basically, as <laughs> reported by Microsoft's oh, sorry. <laughs> acquisition of Activision Blizzard. We'll receive the green light from what? the EU uh, next week. Oh, yeah, but who cares? Because the Brits are blocking it. Yeah, Brits, who cares? You know, <laughs> I mean, there's an island. They're an island. I mean, no, who, I know, but they, but uh, no, I know. So, uh, th- first of all, that's going to be appealed and it's not, you know, it's not done yet. So, I we'll, we'll see. I think when the rest of the planet kind of aligns up with this thing, uh, uh, you know, clear UK companies like Boosteroid. Yeah. Yeah. Even which Boosteroid, is the other thing that keeps yeah, happening is yeah. more and more European cloud streaming companies like, um, what are you talking about? Nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody cares. So, yeah. Well, we'll I hope so. I hope so. I don't know. I don't, wait a minute. What am I saying? I don't have a dog in this hunt. Does it matter? No, I, I mean, I, no, I do. You'd like the story to go away, right? Like yeah, this should stop. No, I, no, because if there's no story, then I got nothing to talk about. So I, yeah. story. Like, I, I want to always... see. I want to see an Activision pot, post Bobby Kotick. I want to see Microsoft. <laughs> I, I do want to see Kotick gone. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, that's for sure. Maybe that's the. Real I want to see Activision titles on. Uh, Game Pass, right? Yeah, and, okay. And cloud streaming. So there is, so yeah. there is a, a reason to support it. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I I will say that I I don't know if this came up on Windows Weekly. I apologize, but I, I the one thing we maybe you were, shouldn't you were here for every show, there. dude. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't remember. I, I've said this out loud. I don't remember if I said it on this show. Oh, but, okay. Uh, the one thing for all of the rah rah stuff around Microsoft, and I I feel very strongly that this should be allowed to go through, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there there is one thing they have done wrong. Um. And that is, they've talked endlessly about how this is all about mobile. Why haven't you done something about mobile? Like, you have a tremendous IP. Halo, Gears of Wars, you know, uh, Age of Empires, whatever, on and on it goes. Why aren't you putting that stuff on mobile? Yeah. Um, it, it shouldn't be It shouldn't be all based, like, if this doesn't happen, we're screwed in mobile. You know, I... I it seems like an artificial constraint. Yeah. This is uh, you have a 60. What is it? Sixty nine billion dollars to spend on this company. Yeah. You couldn't spend a couple of billion uh, porting these games to the iPad. It's being a little disingenuous and saying it's I all about it. Well, they're they're on the up and up. I you know, this is the it's a good company, good leadership. They got the right <laughs> policy. No, I, um, <laughs> they're a company, you know, whatever. Um, the one thing that they. Uh, do do right i think is just the general strategy strategy this is something i was talking to richard about for the show and you know mm-hmm. this all comes out of phil spencer and the, the the wake of the debacle that was the xbox one right where they got rid of um i just forgot his name. red uh, ring uh, of death rid of, rid of, phil spencer yeah. no the guy before uh, phil spencer uh, um boy i'm losing my mind um and it was it was after the red ring of death actually it was the you know uh if you are going to play Xbox in a submarine. Well, you're going to have to guy. use an Xbox 360. <laughs> yeah. That guy. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, 
he's really turned this uh, business around and he's made Xbox make sense in this cloud focused company that is Microsoft, right? They, uh, I think, uh, cloud gaming is good, but uh, game pass is better. And I think this is uh, kind of an interesting thing, but anyway, in, in the, Holtman. uh, no, um, you think of Don box. Oh, Don, it's Don, not Don box, Don, uh, Matrick, uh, Matrick, Don Matrick, Don Matrick, right. Sorry. Uh, Matrick. Don Matrick. Sorry. Yeah, yep. right. Right. Um, yes. He went on to Zynga and didn't last long. Yeah, that's weird. He was such a, an effective executive. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, he, uh, recently spoke at length about uh, the d- disappointment of the CMA decision and some of the disappointing reviews on Redfall, uh, a game, which we're going to talk about in just a second. Hmm. And he has come under a lot of fire for this interview. Huh. Um, I, to me, this is not what I took away from that interview. No, not at all. I, the, the key phrase that people are latching onto is you just admitted that Xbox is never going to out console Sony. Thus you are a failure and you need to be fired. My reaction to that is, excuse me. Somebody that was what the strategy world. admitted 10 years ago, whatever it was. Yeah. And the, 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 re, the point of this is Xbox isn't just going to be about consoles. We're going to go to where gamers are. We're going to bring gaming everywhere. And that's what they've been working on that. And it's been pretty successful. He's done a, um, yeah. I think, uh, I think it's game pass or maybe their subscription business in general is going to be a billion dollar business this quarter for the first time. Easy. Well, yeah. and, the, and, the, and the whole point of rolling up these companies is to fill out Game Pass as much as possible. That's right. Because That's that right. is the end game here. You make it right. the, the no-brainer that Microsoft 365 is. You know, you just yeah. make, you, you're like, I, I have to have this. If you're, and, you're crazy, you don't have this. It's a huge yeah. number of games. Now, I so I just fundamentally disagree with any criticism of him for that. I, I To me, there's lots of the, other stuff to be upset about. <laughs> yeah, there is. And we're going to talk about some of that. Um, <laughs> you just don't get that kind of honesty, you know, from most corporate executives. And I, I just, he's to me, he's refreshing. I, I, yeah, I hope he never leaves. I think he's incredible. And he, and he, he clearly loves video gaming, right? Yep. Like he, he's yep. a player. Yep. That's right. It's not no, that's it. Fine. The other disappointment was this game, Redfall. Which boy, is boy. A, uh, let me see if I can describe this accurately. An open world vampire shooter, <laughs> which is, you know, yeah. Um, so you were talking have, about this before the show. You said it's yeah. awful. So I, I, I've read reviews. I've, I've read the consensus of the reviews. Yeah, me too. I, I played watched played a YouTube video where this guy kind of tore it down and explained why this thing is horrible. And I, just before the show, I played it. I played and it's, um, it's so it's so bad. It's, it's <laughs> unbelievable. It's, it's unbelievable how bad it is. And I would say bad, graphically, bad, bad game, bad yeah, graphics, everything about it. It's, it's, it's not a good game. I'm only playing the single player version. Now it's possible. I think this kind of game shines when you can find friends to play with and you play together because you can go on these little, you know, you go through each sequence and you go on quests and do things, whatever. Um, the story is ludicrous. The graphics are terrible. Um, it just, it, it's, it's unfinished. It is very clearly unfinished. And without having played it, I sort of said a week or two ago, or whenever it happened, I said, you know, this seems like the type of thing that could be fixed over time, right? We've seen this with Cyberpunk 2077 or whatever. Um, it could be fixed over time. Uh, having played it, I still believe that it could be fixed out of time uh, over time. But I, I have to say, 
there is no excuse for shipping this game in this state. And I, I the story I told at the beginning before we, I think we started the show was that time you and I, Leo, watched the showcase for Xbox and they showed Halo Infinite about two or three months before it was going to come out. And I thought they were showing last gen graphics so they could kind of Wizard of Oz it and, and have it explode into its 4K wonderfulness. And that is not what happened. And then all of a sudden they delayed it for a year. And when Halo Infinite came out, you know, 15 months later, we'll call it. Uh, it still has problems, it still has problems today, but much, much better looking game. And um, I, this thing apparently doesn't run at 60 frames a second on a Xbox Series X. Like, guys, I, I'm sorry, but that's going to be the wow. baseline. I don't you don't release a game like that. That's a flagship title. That's that was just a huge mistake. So I'm not going to say fire Phil Spencer over that. But um, that that is actually really shocking. Bad. They shipped it. Right. six months of development but here's the thing those two stories the you know phil spencer should be fired because you know he he didn't uh you know he, he said we, we're fail. you know we're never going to win in consoles and redfall being a terrible game uh these there's a huge overlap here because redfall proves that phil spencer's strategy which is xbox game pass essentially is correct and here's why this is the first game that microsoft has sold that cost 70 dollars the first flagship title right sony's been doing that since I think late last year, this is the first big title for $70 based on a lot of the advanced press and all the excitement over this game. A lot of people would have shoveled whatever the cost is. They would, the only way to try this thing would be to buy it. But because it's on Xbox game pass, you could download it to your console. You can play it not for free. I know you're paying for the subscription, but the, the subscription, but you, you get it as part of your prescription. Jesus. I really want to say prescription for some reason, Hmm. Uh, subscription, (laughs) Uh, did you sorry. Did, did some doctor write out a little script for you? You should play <laughs> No, I wish I probably did. a bad I think, gaming a day and call me in the morning. <laughs> if this show has proven anything, I need a prescription. So um <laughs> But it's really the but case it, that this is not new. I mean, look at I mean, I could, a lot of the most recent big splash event launches were flops like Cyberpunk. Yes, but 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 because this thing is on Game Pass, and by the way, it's also on Game Pass. Uh, xbox cloud gaming which is game streaming you don't even have to install anything isn't that great for me yeah for me to play this i just waited uh, 30 seconds or whatever for and no start cost up. and no no and then i can see it's cost. a steaming pile of garbage and now yeah. i need i now i not, never have to look at it again no it really and solves the problem 70 on it this and, has been a problem since gaming began i remember going to the atari yeah. store yes, and looking yes. at all of these boxes and going i know two-thirds mm-hmm. of them are crap and I'm wasting right. my thirty nine ninety nine. You buy Yars Revenge because it has an awesome cover, and actually that game was pretty good. But you just but, don't know. <laughs> but that's how you do it. It's like uh, it's like buying wine. If you don't know what you're doing, you're like I like the label of this one, and you're just kind of taking a chance. Game you know, no Pass. One, you, let's let's not take it for granted. It's a gamer's paradise, really. Right. That's right. Yeah. And much more so than point. what Amazon's doing or what Stadia was, because you don't have to buy the game; you buy the pass. Right. You, we can blame Phil Spencer for Redfall, I guess. But let's also credit him for Game Pass because this is the thing that tells us we can skip Redfall. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right? Yeah, it, it's option yeah. seventy dollars. Please, let's yeah. not forget. And I also, that. I also wonder if Redfall, like Cyberpunk, can be fixed because Cyberpunk was actually a great game with some right. serious implementation problems. Yeah, yeah. as, as is often the case, ever, it's released before it's done. Frankly, yeah, they they rush wait. By the way, out. it's same. There's way too no much Man's, of this going on. No Man's Sky, the same same problem uh the the sea yeah. of thieves yeah. kind That's of right, sort right. of the same problem it's not unusual in gaming that they they've spent four years and hundreds of yeah. millions of dollars and they just gotta ship it 
even if it's not um, done, you know? I don't understand how this mentality has come up to the forefront again. It's everywhere now. You see it in Windows. Uh, this is this is the complaint about we're going to test features with individuals in stable. And then if it's if it doesn't work, we'll just fix it later. It's like, guys, well, you know, what is at least they can the fix it later. Hollywood puts it a crap movie. It's a crap movie forever. Well, that's why they have director's cuts. And, uh, <laughs> and it doesn't know. make a difference. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus sequels, sequels yeah, sure. and sequels. Nothing's going to save Snyder's <laughs> Superman. That's all I'm saying. No, I know. Um, so so. In a way, I think they're doing it because they can, you know? It's like, well, ship it. We'll fix We can always fix it later. They'll push out a patch. Go back in yeah. time to, it would have been, I guess, 2005. And I visited my, uh, the weird Microsoft campus where the Xbox stuff was at the time, uh, Millennium Campus, I think it was called. And uh, you walk by a seven-foot-tall Master Chief and everything, and they're going to show me the Xbox 360, which was not out at the time. They had just shown off the what the shell was going to look like uh, at like an event that April or something, and but it didn't exist as a as a console yet. So I got to see a couple of things. I got to play around with an Xbox 360 wireless controller, which compared to the OG Xbox controller is perfect. It was they got it exactly right. It was like the S controller, and I got to see the development workstation, which was two giant Mac G probably four whatever towers stapled together with cables, and the controller came off of it, and you could play the Xbox on it. Because it was a you know the same chipset, right? So I was like, I don't understand how, how are you going to get that thing into this little box? You know, hmm. this thing was like this gigantic size of a car, and then you get this beautiful little Apple looking device. And they said, Oh, we got guys working on that, you know. And the guys who were working on that were responsible for the Red Ring of Death that you just referenced. So like that's what happened. Like it turns out, doing that is really really hard. And uh, but one of the conversations we had on that uh, trip was the Xbox 360 was going to allow uh, game makers for the first time to update games. And so the idea was you go to store and buy a disc, you bring it home, you install it. And not on day one, because we weren't doing that yet, but at some point there would be updates and they could fix bugs and they could even add features. It was exciting. And I said, you know, are you worried that this ability is going to result in a lack of quality of some time? And they said, no, 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 we have a system in place. We're not going to let them ship crap and blah, blah, blah. And here we are. And they're shipping crap. You know, of course, and it didn't take it's not like it took whatever that is, 18 years or whatever. Uh, this happened immediately. Right. Uh, there were a lot of Xbox 360 games that just shipped out of the gate as crap. And uh, and it's that's been it's just gotten worse. I, I think we're I, I don't understand. I don't understand how we put up with such a lack of quality, you know, across the board. But we do. Well, and they and the side of game Pass is like there's nothing to return now either. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. See, I, right. I think that's kind of solves the problem i love the the, there's there's a natural progression here where you can stream it with cloud gaming just just to get an idea and you're like okay yes now i'm going to install it using game pass because i know i'm going to play this thing and then maybe a couple of months go by maybe at some point it comes out of game pass and now you have an opportunity to buy it and you Mm -hmm. can buy it at a discount because you're part of game pass right and that's the decision you have this decision making process you can make all along the way if this game is so valuable to you that you can't stop playing it. Now it's not even on game pass anymore. You know, now, you know, it's the right. perfect you, vetting process. You know, it's you, you, you know? actually did make the case for what I asked you earlier, uh, mm-hmm. the Activision merger, right? That, that's a re- actually a really good point. Uh, yep. This is the right, this is how games should be delivered. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Can, can Microsoft, I mean, are they making money at it? I mean, is it a, Oh, good no. question. 
Because <laughs> I mean, so they make as so, much. But well, that's the question. If if you release a game for sixty bucks, so one time only, or maybe you get a bunch yep. of DLC purchases. That what seems like a lot is, more money so, than whatever yeah. fifteen bucks a month. There have been it's a. Uh, there's there's two questions here. Is Microsoft making money? Are game studios making money? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So from the perspective of it depends on the game studio, right? A, a lot of g- big game studios are probably kind of like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. Smaller ones are like, come on, this is going to get us in front of people in ways that would be impossible otherwise. Very difficult. It's like you're an indie artist. How do you get on a radio station when radio stations yeah, matter? That makes sense. You're not going to see Madden on there. You're not going to see so the the big triple t- uh, titles on there. I, I think. think yeah. These companies are pr- restricted from speaking uh, about specifics when it comes to money. But if you look up, you can, I think there are videos on YouTube like this. I'm sure articles as well, where some people have said, Hey, this has really worked out for us. They can't really get into specifics, uh, probably because of a contractual thing, right? That would betray some sort of a competitive, you know, whatever it is to their, to Sony or whatever. But, um, I have seen instances where developers have come out and said, yeah, this is really valuable to us. Like, this is a big deal. It's also, by the way, a way for a game to have a second coming, right? So you have, a, you make a, whatever splash you make when the game first comes out. And now you're just like a, a back title for some studio or for some publisher. And, mm-hmm. but one day it gets added to game pass and then it gets in front of a whole new audience of people who are never going to pull it off. Well, they don't pull it off shelves anymore. They were never going to go buy it. I guess uh, that's the argument for selling your movie to Netflix, right? It's the same, yep. same thing. It's another revenue source. Yeah. Yep. It doesn't preclude an art theater running it, running it again. You know, yep. they, it's all those possibilities. Uh, very. It's I I, it's really interesting. I don't think show. you can say it works out one hundred percent for everybody. I don't think that's no. ever going to be true of anything. But um, the the question is if this thing scales enough. And I think this this is the bet they're looking at Activision Blizzard and and saying, look, if we get this. This is what puts us over the top. Right. You know, it's a big bang way to make that happen. And to some the degree, it depends pile. on what proportion of gamers are like you, Paul, where you play the same yeah. game over and over and over again. And what sure. proportion of people like me where, I, you know, I'm not that committed. I might play a little of this, a little of that. Next time it's this. Yeah, I haven't I talked mean, about this too much, but I have not played Call of Duty since the first week of March. What? And I have. Did in you fact, go to a playing- rehab uh, program? I'm doing all kinds of uh, prescriptions and uh, <laughs> different things. Um, no, I'm just trying different stuff, you know. So I've been That's doing sad. Xbox Game Pass. I'm playing different games. I've actually been playing Halo Infinite. Uh, go figure. Which is I can't say is a great game, but it's a well-made game. Yeah. It's actually a lot like a typical like a uh, a Netflix movie these days, where it's like really well-made. It was a great. I wouldn't say it was great, but it, it was. It looks nice, you know that kind of thing. Um, but I've been trying different stuff. I mean, I've been trying to figure something out there. So interesting. That's boy. Yeah, it's a big yep. shift for you. The longest gap in since the release of Call of Duty too. There's no doubt about it. Wow. Okay. Um, what else you got next? Any more? Yeah, Xbox? let's just right. Yeah, just a few more things. So uh, the May Xbox update is out. The big thing here is that. Uh, the actually discord i feel like discord integration came a few months ago but i don't know if it's maybe they just improved it the big thing is discord integration which i thought was already there but uh Hmm. discord integration is either new or improved i guess it's improved um i don't actually use this kind of thing on a console it's an interesting 
Yeah, it's a particular style of play for with Discord, right? Like it's yeah. if you don't want to set up a Twitch channel, you can be playing through Discord, and other people can comment on your play. Like, right, right. Interesting aspects to I it. I used to like uh, a million years ago when I was still PC gaming. Although actually, I, am, I should say for the past few months I've been PC gaming. But a million years ago, um, I used to get you know put on a headset and I would talk to people that we you know we talk to people we talk mm. to each other in game and we used to uh, a friend and I used to really make other people upset by just joking around and the whole time and everyone else was like would you two shut the hell up and the, we would just <laughs> run around and we would just chase them around and like quake or whatever the game was right. Duke Nukem, and just belittle we them the entire time you know <laughs> it's just i was a terrible younger person anyway um this uh also there's a wireless controller update a firmware update uh that you get with the may update so you should uh nice be sure to install it. Oh, don't worry. You don't have to worry about installing it. It's mandatory. Just like <laughs> Windows 7 or Windows 11 updates, right? Uh, hey, so here's a question. Is there anything called Super Fiesta mode that's good? <laughs> so I would love to tell you, but I, here's the problem I have with this. Um, so I, I, I just said I've been playing, playing Halo Infinite. What I didn't say yeah. is I've been playing it on the PC. Hmm. I've been playing it with a controller. So it's like a console, right? Um. I have a serious problem. I don't know if it's this computer or where I don't know what's going on, but this thing cannot download stuff. What like stuff from the Xbox app? Well, at all. So mm. when I I did an episode of Hands on Windows, you know, weeks weeks and weeks ago about the Xbox stuff, a, a couple of episodes. But when I did the Xbox Game Bar episode, I wanted to do some in-game footage, and this thing had downloaded the shell of it, Halo Infinite at the time, but not the game. So I couldn't actually go into the game and show the game. I'm like, what is this thing doing? And it just sits there. It, it, it's like downloading zero of 82 gigabytes. So <laughs> this Fiesta update, well, uh, the May update for Halo Infinite has not downloaded. I don't have it yet. And as of, as of until today, that's not been a problem. It just came out, I guess. But today it's like, yeah, you can't start this game until we download the update. It won't download it. It's just, it's like literally on zero of eight. It's 82 gigabytes. That's how big this thing is um, <laughs> on the computer. So Super Fiesta. I know. I, I So obviously it's Super a good Fiesta. It's for Margarita. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a Cinco de Mayo thing because no one in this country understands Cinco de Mayo, obviously. <laughs> um, it's a multiplayer mode. It was previously available in Halo 5 Guardians, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It's just, it's just, I don't know. I've been playing single player, so. I don't know. I haven't tried it. I'm sorry. I just can't stand names like Super Fiesta Mode. <laughs> Super I, Fiesta. Come, come on. Hilarious. Yeah. Uh, what else we got here? So a couple of years ago, uh, and maybe, I don't know if it was with the launch of the consoles or soon thereafter, Microsoft introduced its first set of external um, storage expansion cards for the Xbox Series X and X. They're made by Seagate, so you know they're terrible. And they're really expensive. <laughs> Um, and they it, now they come in five twelve gig one terabyte and two terabyte. I want to say when it first came out, it was just one or two terabyte. I don't remember, but now they have choices. Um, they've always been really expensive, and the story from the beginning was always, "Oh, don't worry, they're going to be third party versions." But they've never appeared. This is all we have. We have this one company making this one set of expansion cards. Um, so now they are less expensive than they were before, and this is a permanent price cut. I'm trying to find the exact price uh obviously depends on which version you're getting but the 500 yeah nothing 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 it's not tedious i will go to seagate now 
I'm trying to find the price. I'm sorry. Yes. Nope. Still where to buy every, I've gone to three different sites. It's like where to buy, go here, where to buy, go here, where to buy. Amazon.com, the terabyte ones for $150. There you go. So I want to say it was double that probably when they first launched or something like that. Um, It was a lot more expensive. They they really offer an eight terabyte one? Maybe not. I don't think they do. I think it's 512, one and two, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. That would be nice. Oh, here are the prices. I'm sorry. 512 is $90. Yeah, one terabyte, like say 149, and two terabytes is 279. So the joke at the time was the expansion card, it cost almost as much, the initial one cost almost as much as the console, right? Because right. if you bought an Xbox Series S, we would really need this thing mm-hmm. uh, because it comes with much less storage. Um, it was super expensive. So actually, so, oh, this is interesting. So apparently there is a Western Digital uh, Xbox Series X and X expansion card coming. Uh, it has not been officially announced, but it appeared briefly in, best buy and uh microsoft sort of said hey we always look at offering new choices blah 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 whatever you know they're not admitting it but it is obviously coming um but you know how long how far are we into three years four years yeah three years it's only been this one choice and you know whatever so eventually that's going to change okay what else oh and then the last story is just the nintendo uh, nintendo switch sales uh stuff so nintendo announced their quarterly earnings this is the second year in a row yeah they did i mean honestly this thing has done great overall but for the second year in a row sales have gone down um last year was 18 million units this is last fiscal year this uh now they expect 15 million it's this fiscal year machine like i think pretty much people who wanted to buy it have bought it yeah but this, this is where this thing is broken ones at this point stolen well ones. they could see they could do no, a 4k they, version they released right? an oled version a couple of years ago that yep. was very there's good. a light version um yep. and no, i know but i mean i i have couples uh they they could do a 4k i'm just but they're not going to no, so no, the, no. the nintendo has said we're not doing pro we're not we're gonna have a new console that could they could announce that as soon they're, as they're this year by the way new, how long has this been out they would do for a new console 2017 sure. so yeah, six that's years. a long time yeah, yeah. here's the thing they've sold 125 million units right it's a that success. puts it in third place all time yeah um yeah. only the original playstation 2 which is over 50 155 million units and the nintendo ds which is about 154 million units have outsold it in the history of video games so um pretty impressive people are still buying switches like lots of them so yeah. it could get them all in a few years yep yep i was too lazy to look this up but uh sony you know recently announced how many uh playstation fives they've sold uh since that thing came out and it was you know 38.5 million units and it's like okay what year did the i could probably go back and look to see where the switch was at that point in time but i'll just tell you off the top of my head it was obviously much higher but the conditions are different. A, these two consoles cost are at different ballparks price wise. And the, the PlayStation five came out right as the pen, right in the middle of the pandemic. Right. Yeah. And there was all kinds of, um, you know, supply uh, issues and component uh, supply issues and all that kind of stuff. So it's not really fair to do that, but it's probably fair to say, although Sony claims otherwise, uh, Sony seems to think they have the possibility of outselling the previous gen and uh, the previous gen, I want to say it was, I think it was 120 something. It was a pretty big number. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they're ever going to do that, but, but, you know, 
maybe Nintendo will have something a little more competitive from a technical perspective this time around. We'll see. They got to be working on some new hardware. It has yeah, been a while. They could do that. The Switch is an awesome yeah. platform. I'm. Uh, yeah. yeah. Do you know? It's not. Did Nintendo create a purpose-built OS just for the Switch, or is it? It's not Windows, is it? What's, hmm. what's behind the? It's not I Android. Maybe it's purpose-built. I guess the reason I asked that question is assume, they could make a newer platform that was com- right, uh, right. compatible uh, so that they wouldn't throw away the old games just as any other console would. I love the right. Switch. I mean, the Switch is really a great platform, I have to say. Yep. yep. All right, let's take a little break. Uh, back of mm-hmm. the book coming up, brown liquor, tips, tricks. Uh, I want to just quickly go down to uh, the Twit Studios south. Oh, look, what am I <laughs> They are okay. gathering right now at uh, Google for a very Hello. special all about Android. There was Jason Howell, Ron Richards on the left, went to yep. Dow, and uh, I think one of their very special guests. Say, that guy was on stage. Yeah, from Google. So this is very exciting. Yep. We're going to do, they're going to record it. They're not going to stream it live. They're going to record it. It will air as soon as it's done uh, on our Twit News feed. So if you're not yet subscribed cool. to Twit News, subscribe uh, because nice. we are. they're going to have a number of people who were on stage at the Google event. This is going to be really cool. Uh, we've done this in the past. Um, we're all set up. They're all set yeah. up down there at the Googleplex, getting ready for a very special all about Android coming up in, uh, in just a, a f- well, I guess a few hours. They'll be doing it. They'll be doing it in a <laughs> yeah. few minutes, but we're not going to stream it live, but uh, we will cool. have it by this evening or early tomorrow morning. Subscribe to TV slash news. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, let's talk about, uh, oh, here's an, uh, oh, this is a brand new sponsor. We're thrilled to have AWS Insiders. The AWS Insiders podcast is a sponsor, fast-paced, entertaining, and uh, I think really interesting look behind the scenes of AWS and cloud computing, Amazon Web Services. Now, this isn't your typical Talking Heads tech podcast, like, say, I don't know, something we might do. High production value, high energy, high entertainment, and full of great, interesting, my favorite part, anecdotes from the early days of AWS to today and then to tomorrow as well. Uh, Rahul Subramaniam is the host, along with Hillary Doyle. Uh, They are very knowledgeable. They dig into the current state and future of AWS. But they also bring in great guests talking with people and companies that know it best. Uh, Rahul, he's an AWS pro, 15 years managing more than 45,000 AWS uh, instances. I mean, this guy knows how to push an AWS product to its limits. And he is absolutely a believer in the future of AWS as the, in a way, the operating system of the future, right? AWS insiders. you gotta, you got to write this down and uh, subscribe full of uh, information, opinions, takeaways, untold stories about the challenges, innovations, and mind-blowing promise of cloud computing. And honestly, uh, you've got two hosts who are very good, and Rahul really knows AWS. Uh, I'll give you some examples. Uh, Their season two just came out, episode one, filling the cloud talent gap. They talk about staffing your uh, cloud team with the right resources. Uh, one of the hardest things to do, too, of course, Rahul and Hillary discuss solutions to finding, retaining, and leveling up cloud talent. Uh, episode two was uh, actually fascinating. Uh, Moderna version one, Rahul and Hillary 
talk about when Moderna was born in the cloud in 2010. AWS was brand new, only I think a few years old by then. Um, they talk about how Moderna uses the cloud to become one of the top biotech companies out there. That one's really interesting. Search for AWS Insiders on your podcast player. Uh, you can also go directly to the site cloudfix.oria.com slash podcast. Cloudfix, just like it sounds, dot A-U-R-E-A dot com slash podcast. I figure you probably know how to spell podcast. We'll also uh, include a link if you go to twit.tv slash www. It'll be there in the show notes. Uh, thanks so much to AWS Insiders for their support. Really interesting show. Check it out. Cloudfix.oria.com slash podcast. Uh, or just look for AWS Insiders uh, on your favorite podcast player. All right. Now, let's see here. Oops. There they are again. Oh, 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 you know. Oh, there's the Irish guy. Ooh, this is going to be Irish good. The Irish guy. The Irish guy. <laughs> Huh. Uh, that'll be a, this is, I'm really looking forward to this Twit News special coming up. They're, uh, they're getting ready to get that started. But before we do that, let's go to Paul Therott because it's time for the tip of the uh, week. Just want to point out that it's gotten dark where Richard is. Um, yes. Cause he's in Europe and stuff. Yes. Yes. It's late <laughs> night, late night. Yeah, it's 11 o'clock here. <gasps> yeah. Well, we'll get this over with. We're almost done. No, no, it's just, I, I just always enjoy that about the. I know, it's fun, episodes. isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, different, it's fun. It's yeah. just interesting watching it. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So I had just recorded a an episode of Hands on Windows where we talked about keyboard shortcuts. And it occurred to me that this is an excellent example of something where it. Did I just say keyboard <laughs> screenshot? Yeah. Screenshots. Jeez, I'm losing. I am literally losing my mind today. I re- <laughs> not did, I did an episode about screenshots, not about keyboard shortcuts. Yeah, but there were one of those shortcuts to get the screenshots. That's right. And that's what I kind of wanted to go through because this is about to change. And I think that's really interesting. So Microsoft has uh, various tools built into Windows for taking screenshots. Some of them date back literally to the original version of MS-DOS and the IBM PC, which had a dedicated print screen key. We still have that key on our computer. It no longer is used to print out to a printer. It prints out a screenshot to the clipboard, which is kind of probably not what people might expect. And so I just wanted to run through a couple of these real quick and then tell you about how it's going to change. Um, so right now, if you hit print screen on your keyboard, a screenshot is captured, but it's captured to memory. It's captured to the clipboard and you can paste that into another application and then save it or do whatever you want. Um, you can also do something called uh, alt plus key, uh, print screen to capture just the current window, the, the window that has the focus um, in windows. I want to say it was probably windows eight because that's when we started going to these kind of tablety type devices, but they added a windows key plus print screen keyboard shortcut that not only takes a screenshot, but saves it to a file, which is kind of neat. It creates a screenshot folder in your pictures folder where you can go find the screenshot in ping format, which is nice. And you might assume, well, of course there must be an alt plus uh, print screen or alt plus windows key plus win, uh, print screen. And there is, uh, but that's been taken over by Xbox Game Bar for reasons I don't care to get into. But it's crazy. <laughs> but uh, the problem with that, the reason you need to know that is it, it still gets saved. You can still save um, the, uh, a file that is a screenshot of an application window that way. But that is saved in the captures folder, which is in your videos folder. And I, I know. Wow. <laughs> I know. Now, in Windows 10 and 11, there's a new tool, and it's changed a few times, but now it's called the snipping tool. And if you bring it up, you will see that there is a keyboard shortcut for that. 
but you can, if you like the snipping tool, and I don't, but if you do, um, you can change it to be what happens when you hit print screen, which is kind of interesting. Um, you have to do that in Windows settings. Um, and it brings you to an, uh, the accessibility section of settings, and you'll see an option in there uh, for use. The print screen button to open screen snipping, as they call it there for some reason. Um, this is going to be the default in Windows 11 soon. And I don't know if that means Windows 11 23H2 or before then, but it is happening sometime this year. So they're actually going to change the meaning of print screen for the first time since Windows was released uh, wow. back in 1985. Um, so that's happening soon. Now, the the other part of this tip is the one thing you cannot get with any tool built into Windows is the mouse cursor. So if you wanted to get the little pointer in the screenshot, <laughs> you actually have to use a third party. Usually you utility, don't want so. the mouse cursor, but sometimes you. Well, do, right? depending on what you're doing, if you're yeah. training or like you know, I write books and stuff, I need that. So if you do want that, um, you need a third party utility. I use something called GreenShot, which is free. Um, there's also there are a lot of tools. ShareX is another one uh, that's a good one that people like. So. People like GreenShot. Retcon yeah, Fun like in our Discord says he likes it. It's good. Hey, and that is an example of what you're missing if you are not a Club Twin member because the Hands-On Windows show is a great show for the club. We release uh, sometimes release episodes. I think actually that one of those episodes is going to be uh, released on the Yeah. Actually, uh, that one YouTube. might be one of the ones. I think it that is. That one yeah. might be coming for you. Uh, uh, so sure. we put those out on YouTube. But if you want to <clears> see them all or the Hands-On Macintosh or, you know, the uh, – Untitled Linux show or the Stacy's book club, or now we brought back home theater geeks. The club is a great place to do that. Seven bucks a month gets you ad free versions of all of our shows, access to the club twit discord and the feed with all a, a bunch of shows that we don't put out anywhere else. Cause we really want to make the club a great place to be. By the way, I should point out tomorrow, Alex Wilhelm's AMA, uh, Aunt Pruitt is begging you for questions for Alex. He's a, uh, now he's a news editor at uh, TechCrunch, but you know him from Twit. Alex, a great guy, expert on finance. Ask him about crypto. Ask him about, uh, you know, the, the current down slump in the tech community, that kind of thing. Ask him what it's like living in my childhood home and what they did with my bedroom. He literally does. He lives in my childhood home in Providence, Rhode Island. Anyway, that's tomorrow morning. Uh, if you're around, if you're a Club Twit member, just to go to the you know the specials uh, section, you'll see that um, Club Twit members get a lot more access, and that's uh, that's kind of by intent because we want to encourage people to join. Twit.tv/slash/clubtwit if you're not yet a member, and get Paul's fabulous series. Um, we should have, in hindsight, made that whiskey series uh, part of the club too. Still good, still good. <laughs> still not too late, not too late. Okay. Uh, you have an app pick, Paul. Yeah, I have two in a way. Um, so Stardock today released Groupie Two, and that, I'm sort of thinking about this. If you go back to the Great Tab Wars of 2017, you may <laughs> remember that Microsoft was going to add tabs to everything in Windows 10 uh, via a feature called Sets. They actually tested it, the Insider program. Everyone loved it. And they said, oh, just kidding. They took it away. And then years <laughs> later in Windows 11, uh, they added it to File Explorer first and then to Notepad. So they're kind of doing it on an app-by-app -app basis now. I'm sure there were technical reasons. Somehow, Stardock was able to work around those because in 2017, they released something called Groupie that added tabs to every single window yes. in Windows 10. You have to ask Brad, like, and, what do they have? They have yeah. special programmers or what? I what don't know. They, what do they, they do? Have a, well, there's a lower bar for them. You know, yeah. they're... Yeah. But so the interesting thing to me about Groupie is I kind of forgot about it. I mean, I know it exists and and whatever, but Groupie 2, it just came out in beta today. So it's been six years wow. um, and now it supports Windows 11, of course. 
Um, the key new thing here, obviously, Windows 11 support, Windows 11 look and feel and all that stuff. Um, there's a couple of new things, but the key one to me is they have a grouping feature, go figure, that lets you save a group of applications that are together in, with a set of tabs in one window, pin that to the taskbar. It looks like a little a cool Windows 11 folder, you know, with the little, you know, icons for each of the uh, apps. And uh, when you click it, they all open in the same window in this, with the tabs. You know, that mm-hmm. sounds kind of obvious, but kind of a neat feature. And there's some color coding and some other stuff. But um, the, the good news here is if you don't own this, it is now, uh, it's normally $9.99, which is not expensive, but it's on sale for $6.99 if you want to take a look at that. So I think you can just download it for free and try it first if you want to do that. And then just real quick, um, Firefox 113 is out this week. Uh, there's a bunch of new features in there, improvements to the picture-in-picture stuff, uh, improvements to private windows and passwords and accessibility, blah, blah, blah. But this one thing really stuck out to me. I just thought this was beautiful. Mozilla fixed a 13-year-old bug that has wow. been a feature request what? since then <laughs> that allows Firefox to now support files being dragged and dropped directly out of Microsoft Outlook. Huh. So it never worked before. I guess you could drag and drop files out of Outlook to the desktop, obviously, to other applications. It never it, it, Firefox never worked as a drop target, and I guess now it does. <laughs> so if you wow. are that weird person who is using Microsoft Outlook and Firefox, God bless you, um, <laughs> that will not work. So I just wanted to – I just thought that was kind of cool. It's about time. Yeah. Finally. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, of course, if you use Firefox, you get these updates automatically, and I yes. do. That's my default browser uh, everywhere. And I, by the uh, way, did you like hear? It. There's, I think it is Mulvad, the VPN company. Is yeah, that right. Mulvad. Yeah. I guess they have a new privacy browser based on Firefox. Oh, that's funny because Firefox has been reselling Mulvad as their VPN. I think coincidental. So, hmm. I don't think so. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Firefox so is open source. Uh, you know. There's a there's a, a fork of it called Ice Weasel. Uh, <laughs> That's a great name. <laughs> great, great, great name. <laughs> uh, actually, I think there's several uh, uh, you know forks of it. What's are, the point of Ice Weasel other than having it's, an excellent uh, name? It's unencumbered. Uh, I think I can't remember which distro what distro uses it, but it's got no That's proprietary uh, oh, code in it at all. Uh, it's fully open source. For those guys. For those guys. The people who care. What is Richard Campbell coming up on Run as Radio next? Uh, this week's show I did with Jen Sheeran has been on a few times, and she's always been one of my go-tos for Azure Virtual Desktop. So this is the tool to basically allow you to host a desktop environment in the cloud that then might have special privileges into different resources. Uh, AVD got a huge kick in the arm during the pandemic when uh, IT folks were struggling with apps that did not work well over VPNs. So rather than trying to run the client at home through a VPN to a backend service, you shift the whole thing into the cloud and then you give them credentials to get into these cloud instances. Think modernized terminal services, a little more efficient, a little more cost effective. Uh, and this week's show was really a focus on the fact that it's now part of the cloud adoption framework. So they've built better tooling to make it easy for you to follow your security and landing pads uh, solutions. But Jen also dug into the idea that, you know, certain class of application are just well served by AVD. So no reason for you to only take your existing apps and move them. If you've got certain kinds of apps running that uh, would uh, work well in the scenario, it, it's uh, for, for uh, greenfield deployments as well. So fun conversation. 
Azure Virtual Desktop Accelerator with Jen Sheeran, runasradio.com. You also find .NET Rocks there. Now, let's talk whiskey, baby. Ah, uh, you know, I figured we'd recap the entire Scottish whiskey good, conversation. Good, I want to especially go deep into barrels. I, I feel like we didn't yeah. get enough how is, barrel How is content. AI impacting Scottish? 35 minutes of barrels, not enough for I am going to bring. I am going to bring out one of these days. Stacey Higginbotham must have been as an insult or a joke. No, 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 it was Amy Webb sent me a bottle of synthetic whiskey. Oh boy. Hmm. Uh, it's a San Francisco startup, and I guess they're using flavor pellets or something to simulate oh an aged whiskey. I mean, it's alcoholic. The alcohol's real, but the flavor is, and it tastes that way, to be honest with you. Huh. Interesting. Uh, I'm not going to recommend it. Let's put it that way. Give us something you would drink. How about that? Uh, a whiskey I just encountered for the first time today since I was in the Netherlands. I had an opportunity to taste a little bus whiskey. So the bus uh, whiskey is a Dutch-based whiskey maker, and they make a series of special editions. Can, I, can, five, I, just, can I stop here for one second? I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. we, we have to address what you just said. A, a Dutch whiskey maker? Yeah. Is yeah. this a thing? Yeah. Is they, this, you know, you could have made Geneva, but you chose not to hurt people. So. <laughs> you know, I I'm spent a lot of time. If you're making beer, it's not such you know, a far. I don't think I've ever heard of a Dutch. Different set of stills. Uh, Me neither, but I had a chance to taste it. In fact, I got a little right here, and uh, the fruit note was surprising. Like it's very approachable on the nose. When it when you actually drink it, it is. Uh, these are uh, cast strength and single malts. So they come across quite potent depending on the bottling. The bottles run about 65 euros Ooh, a piece. That's 62 US dollars. proof. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Depends on the version, right? Yeah, that's number but, 20. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So you can, there, there are some potent Dunk ones. Dunk your kebab in there. Be good. Very, very drinkable. Nice. And uh, nice to see. It's just a, sort of a sign that it's becoming easier to make good whiskey in lots of places. What I like about this uh, company's website is that it has introduced a third level of age check. Sometimes mm. you'll see one. It will say you actually have to put in your birth date, which is crazy. And yeah. then sometimes it will say, are you over 21? And it's like, yes or no. And then this one, it says, are you over 21? And this is one button that says, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Dutch get right down to it. They yeah. don't there's, mess no, there's no getting by it. No. <laughs> you're, you're getting into the Microsoft site. style. So here, this <laughs> yeah. is the whiskey. It's called Glyph. And uh, it's provocative spirits for curious minds, small batch, hand bottled, proudly made by Endless West. Tradition well, is I think born you should try that as soon as right now. Uh, no, yeah. I've tried it. Uh, <laughs> oh, you have? Yeah. All of I the spirit, none of the rules, it says. We've never shied away from doing things differently. Learn more. They, they're oh. trying to simulate a sherry. Uh, okay. cask hmm. that's interesting yeah but uh it's they call it spirit whiskey with natural flavors that should give you some idea get the bus there you go get get on the bus get on the bus get on the get on the bus yeah yeah i mean, I mean you know i'm headed to Antwerp next week in the whole diamond thing right and, yeah. and these days we can synthetic island diamonds that by any measure are superior to the exactly. natural diamonds and yet and cost less, but still have a stigma related to them because they're not natural. I oh, like, I tried to buy Redbreast last week, by the way. It's completely struck out. It's because yeah. of him. I'm, this guy is ready to run on the Redbreast. 
They yeah, just sold. Yeah. No, they literally. I asked. They said, "Yeah, we just we it's just so sold good. the last one." It's so. And good. then I just I bought another Woodford Reserve just to yeah. you know can't yeah, go wrong. Well, I had to get something. I was there. Yeah, we're, and we saw some folks posting up on Twitter about Nikkei. So folks are yeah. trying the whiskeys. That's good. Yep. That's good. Isn't well, I think Woodford Reserve was the sponsor of the Kentucky Derby this year. So. Uh, yeah, nice. that happened. Yeah, the tough, nice. tough derby though lost a few good horses so yeah a few more yeah. than a few a few good hats too kind of shocking yeah another hat goes down my friends i hate to say it but it's it's time to say goodbye to the wonderful richard campbell run his radio.com enjoy uh the low country and, yeah, uh, and, and antwerp try. yeah right. a little further south than what, yeah next week we'll be in a different location that'll be fun that's cool mm-hmm. well Therat, Therat.com, leanpub.com is where you'll find the field guide to Windows 11 and his new book, Windows Everywhere. Uh, two good places, uh, two good books, at one good place, leanpub.com. Thank you both for uh, being here. Appreciate your being patient. Uh, and, no, I, and I also, we, I, we watched it, you know, yeah, what are you going to do? You know, actually now I'm, I've been looking as we've been doing the show at all the news announcements and actually it's, I think I think Google had a lot of great stuff that they could have talked about. Yeah, I I will say during the course of this show, I think I there were 250 Google yeah. news releases. It's yeah. going to take me a long time to get through this. And a lot of it, <laughs> frankly, is more no, interesting than what they talked about. I feel like they uh, they, yeah. they hid their light under a bushel. Uh, they <laughs> or or yep. a, or a bus whiskey. I don't know. They they could have done a better job. Let's put it that way. Of. Uh, Showing off some just, stuff. We'll talk about yeah, it on Twig. And just they're so minutes, Google, though. That's just that's the way so they do things. Yeah. That's so yeah. Google. That's so Google. We do Windows Weekly norm, on a normal uh, Wednesday at about 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 1800 UTC. You you can tune in and, and watch us do it live if you want, or listen live at live.twit.tv. There's live audio and video streams. Uh, after the fact, on-demand versions at twit.tv slash w. And if you're at the website, you'll see there's a link to a YouTube channel dedicated to Windows Weekly. There's also links to your favorite podcast players. Actually, it doesn't matter what you listen to podcasts on. You can just, you know, type in Windows Weekly. You'll find it. We've been around for a long, long time. We're everywhere. Please do subscribe. We'd appreciate it. Uh, we'd also appreciate your membership in Club Twit. And a big tip of the hat and a thank you to all our Club Twit members. Uh, we will be back here next Wednesday. I hope you will, too. Thanks for joining us on Windows Weekly. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Hey, we should talk Linux. It's the operating system that runs the internet, but your game consoles, cell phones, and maybe even the machine on your desk. You already knew all that. What you may not know is that TwitNow is a show dedicated to it, the Untitled Linux Show. Whether you're a Linux pro, a burgeoning sysadmin, or just curious what the big deal is, you should join us on the Club Twit Discord every Saturday afternoon for news, analysis, and tips to sharpen your Linux skills. And then make sure you subscribe to the Club Twit exclusive Untitled Linux Show. Wait, you're not a Club Twit member yet? Well, go to twit.tv slash club twit and sign up. Hope to see you there.